what's up everybody welcome to another episode of downtime with downstar episode 191 and today we are here with mr heeltoe himself marcus disabella marcus what's up brother hey not much frankie how you doing awesome man life is good life is good now um we haven't had you on the podcast since april and we were just talking that uh in covid years uh april's probably like two years ago man so uh how's life <laughs> yeah. how's life been in the last two years dude oh man it's been um i'll tell you it's it's been good this it's been really stressful i gotta you know we're in the same business i think you know you know at least what's going on in terms of our business like this industry is just going total ape shit like really off the chain and <laughs> i know some of that's been a little difficult to consolidate yeah huh? yeah it's, it's 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 definitely unexpected because when uh probably the last time that we talked we were a little freaked out about you know how covid was going to affect us but it really surprised me that it affected us uh well us for sure in a positive manner and most people that i've spoken to business owners in this community uh they've had the same um i don't even want to say problem but same results you know it it sucks to call it a problem and and i've heard it probably you know, countless times um, when I'm like lamenting to my UPS guy or whoever, my family member or whatever. Oh my God, it's so insane. I can't even keep up. And then universally they say, oh, well, it's a good problem to have. But, you know, it, there I did I did actually end up coming up with a, a way that it is negative. Yeah. Where when it's too much and it's too sustained over such a long period of time and now it's it's not just me and you, it's the people that we buy from and some of the people that we sell to are all having those issues yeah. of just being overworked and overloaded. And, um, you know, we have, Heeltoe in particular, I think we have a reputation for, you know, at least, if nothing else, good communication. And here I am going a week or two sometimes before I even see an email, you know, mm. and you know, that's damaging to my brand when we don't have an opportunity to make good with what people are expecting. Yeah. Like, they're expecting good service. They want to get me on the phone. That's all good. We talked last time, you know, like texting people. I mean, every time I put my phone down now, I walk away for 10 minutes, come back, and there's six texts. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's hard to switch it off. And so when you can't, I've always got in the back of my mind, like, I got to get back with these folks. They they want to answer of some kind. Yeah. And uh, if I don't do it, then I'm failing on all of that that I built over the last decade and a half of being there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Being in your corner is a lot when it's like, <laughs> you know, an octagon. <laughs> so if I'm in an octagon is what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's too many fucking corners, bro. I feel you on that. <laughs> man, too many corners. You know, you bring up an interesting topic, man, and that's um, and it usually pops up from people who aren't familiar with business. Um, and I want to get to that. Um, but uh, yeah, people would look at it from the outside looking in and say, okay, well now you you're just selling more stuff, so that's awesome. Yeah, but you're expecting me to change the way that business has been running for the last 10 years out of nowhere like I, we weren't expecting to start doing double the revenue which that sounds awesome 
And I always think about it around, you know, Bolt Friday, which is our Black Friday sale. Wow, what if what if business was like this every day? And, and it's not it's exciting, but it's extremely scary because you don't have the infrastructure for not only the the staff to take care of that much work, but even to have as many raw materials to get to sell to people. So it it definitely raises a lot of problems. But the thing that I wanted to touch on is, you know, you, you'll have these conversations with people, say your buddy who's who's doesn't have a business and they just know you. Hey, Marcus, you have a, a business in the Honda community. And then you talk to them and you tell them, oh, you know, business is double. And the first thing that comes to their mind is, well, that's a good thing. You know, don't complain about business because you're lucky that you have a business. Do you ever mm-hmm. feel like you you're not able to express your true feelings because of how somebody else would perceive it as as a complaint yeah and i think that's the um that's kind of the you know what i alluded to when we first opened is it's been it's very challenging it's hard to consolidate like the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions that go along with you know having to make sense out of all of that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I've tried my damnedest to insulate um, the cons- customers from what's going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, even to the point, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, I, I had to take a break at one point. Mm-hmm. And um, it was right at Father's Day, and I ended up going on a trip to buy a car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to go on this trip here, and I'm going to go buy this car. And, and it was kind of an effort sort of thing. But it was like four or five days out, and I thought, this is the worst possible time for me to be doing this. And not only that, like I'm going to get something cool, and I don't even really want to brag about it. Because mm-hmm. I know that I've got business over here that is standing by, yeah. waiting for me. And I know that I'm going to go for a few days. In the best of time, if you take a few days off, you're going to you know, pay for it for a week. You know that. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah, so you're going to pay for that. There's a punishment that comes along with that reward, which is, I'm good with that. But the thing is, is there's some guilt like that comes along with doing something for yourself. But man, I just needed a break. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to post about this or talk about it or anything because I don't even want people to know that I'm not here. Yeah. You know, I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't here for, and it was even over a weekend. So it was like difficult. It's yeah. difficult thinking about somebody besides the people who are relying on you. You know, and when you um, when you're in business, those are your customers, and maintaining that's really important. So yeah, I mean, at least that's one case where it's been hard for me to say. Uh, I think I probably moaned about it enough to my wife. She got tired of hearing about it. Um, but you know what, though? After month one, month two, month three, we're in month four right now. She's all on board with me now. We're we're working together more than ever. Yeah. She's answering a lot of emails and, and helping me more than she has before. Because I think even she sees it now. It's like there's the volume is, is excessive. You yeah. know, it's just... I I really think that uh, conversations like this are healthy, not only for you and I as business owners to be able to relate and to talk about things that, you know, the the normal person wouldn't 
see as an issue. Like I said before, if you talk to somebody and you say, yo, I'm making double revenue what I did last year this month, their eyes are going to be like, wow, lucky you. But it's like, <laughs> no, because I, I don't have double the stuff. And if I want to get double the stuff, so does every other brand that I that is our competitor. They're going after the same brand. And now that brand itself was just say somebody like Skunk 2 or something like that. Yeah, now yeah. Skunk 2 is trying to fulfill all these orders. Hasport is trying to fulfill all of these orders. And they're stressing out. You know, I, I came to um, I came to that conclusion maybe about a couple months ago, right? One of our bottlenecks that we always have is with anodizing because we get the parts anodized here in Oxnard, California, in the States. And, um, you know, we send certain batches. And when things start running down, we, we send more batches, you know. But when you get an influx of orders that you weren't expecting stuff starts selling out quick quick and then the other supplier for the raw material now you're putting in big orders so i i called the anodizer one day and like hey is these parts ready oh no well they'll be ready tomorrow so I'm like, fuck man just irritated so yeah. then i go to the shop the next day to pick up and it's the actual owner running the parts through anodizing everything and then it just clicked me like yo i'm as much as I'm frustrated because I can't get these parts out, this dude is anodizing not only my parts, but every other person's parts and trying to trying to figure things out themselves. So we're all trying to figure it out, man. And I think if the, the general enthusiasts were to understand that, which I haven't run into many problems where they don't, it's, uh, it, it would make things a lot easier than receiving that email like, I didn't get my tracking. Well, yeah, bro, you just placed the order a couple days ago and we're in a pandemic. So please bear with yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and you know, to your point about your anodizer, you've got more and more of that going on too because at least in the first half of what was going on, we get slammed with all this demand. Meanwhile, all our suppliers are a quarter of the staff, maybe. <laughs> yes, you know? that too. I mean, at Honda has had a rotating one person on deck schedule wow like for four hours i mean one person in the building for four Shit. hours and then they switch out let it chill for an hour and then the next person comes now some people that work in a business are good at email some people are the packing people some people are doing the reflashes or the programming or the building or whatever it is and you know nobody is is Good at doing everything, but now here we are, really, really, you know, hamstrung on, you know, the they just don't even have the, the staff mm -hmm. to do what would be a normal volume. Yeah, and you see that, you know, I've talked to you know people at Ibach and people at you know all the different companies, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's. But again, you know, to try to insulate the customers from that, to try to make good on what I'm doing, like that's been my number one challenge to myself, I guess I could say, is that I'm going to plow through this. I'm going to give the same service that I've always given, right? And I'm going to do the best I can with all this. And most people have been pretty understanding, but you do have a lot of people that get so frustrated that, I mean, they just straight up call bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know COVID, but what does that have to do with my coilovers? I'm like, well, directly, nothing. Yeah. But, you know, here's what's going on, yeah. you know, and then uh, a lot of them will kind of calm down after that. But then there was that that period of time when, 
oh, we're going to open back up and people are going to go back to work, right? Now all the people that had been patient for a week or two are like, I need my crap by Friday because I'm supposed to go back to work next week. I'm like, bro, we already <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It's like, but I feel for them. I understand every individual's got their situation, but you know, it's become more and more my mantra. I used to get all my um, powder coating done in Orange County, a place called uh, Olympic Powder Coating. Okay. And they got a sign right up on the wall behind them: "Your failure to plan is not." translate to my emergency oh i love that and it's like well you know that's a rough one it, that works really well as a sign on a wall in a shop it doesn't work so well over the phone <laughs> yeah but man. it's kind of true it's like man i'm sorry i can't i can't manage your car falling apart you know like i'll get you the parts but you know i'll shuck and jive whatever i can but yeah. you know there's a certain point where you have to own it too and you know do you ever have do you ever find yourself having those honest conversations with people um you know to try to take away like that you're the customer i'm the business owner and just relate to them on a on a human personal level yeah and it's been it's been pretty easy as time goes by i've been working on my tsx a lot and i've been waiting for seat brackets and sliders to come from pci Mm -hmm. and you know, after about the third or fourth week of them telling me, I don't know, maybe next week, I just stopped asking. Because mm. it's like, you know what, man, this is the same exact thing that I'm dealing with. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to chill out and wait for them to show up. I don't, I'm not in some crazy need for these parts, but I've been able to go back and tell people that exact thing. It's like, look, I'm waiting for parts too. My car's down, yeah. the car's apart. You know what, man? Yeah. Like, I've been waiting on my audio stuff to come from Phantom Audio. You know, he's been pretty thin. And I'm sorry, like I can relate, but it, it's it doesn't it doesn't give people any real consolation. I think aside from, you know, maybe that same defeated feeling that I have. <laughs> yeah, you know? I I think that if you talk to people in a in a real life situation way, rather than you know, give them just the customer service answer for it. You know, I, yeah. I, I would I love to just be as professional as possible and keep it customer service wise. But even today, I had a situation where somebody's package didn't get there and they didn't contact me until like a month and a half later. And <sighs> the guy tells me, well, I'm a business owner, man. Like sometimes things get mixed up. And I'm like, yeah, so you understand I'm a business owner as well. So when you tell me your package didn't come a month and a half later, what do you really expect me to do? You know, yeah. I'm not going to come with you like, oh, yeah, let me drop everything and help you because you just decided today that you're going to put that on my plate. Like we should have been putting out this fire a month and a half ago. But yeah. now you understand my frustration. I completely understand yours. I get where you're coming from. It's a wash. I'll send you a new package and we'll just go from here. But I need yeah. that understanding from you. You have to understand that you're putting me in a hard situation that you didn't need to put me in. We could have handled this a month and a half ago, which it would be less there. There would be more of a chance that I could figure out that solution then rather than go back a month and a half and try to figure out where this package went. You know, sometimes all I really want is just a little understanding and for them to, to see us as humans rather than just these machines that they think we are some Amazon machine where we're just, 
taking stuff off the shelves and putting it. No, we have to worry about if it's on the shelf. And if it's not on the shelf, then we have to worry about how we're going to get it to the shelf. Dude, if we had everything in stock all the time, 24-7, orders would go out that same day or next day, and life would be bliss. Yeah. But that's not business. That's not how it is to run a business. Because running out of tape could screw up your whole entire day. Running out of ink. <laughs> boxes, yeah. You have to make sure all everything, all the boxes are checked. Because mm-hmm. if not, if there's one little mess up in the in the line of production, kind of screws you over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's actually, you know, and to be talking about this now, it kind of gives me like I've been working on my cars a little bit. You know, not because I've had any free time. Anybody? Yeah. This is, not, you know, this is not me. Oh, I got some COVID. Fuck off time. Yeah. I'm going to work up there. That is not it at all. <laughs> but I've been kind of like forcing myself because I've got things that I need to do. So anyway, I've been working on my cars a little bit. And then I, it's it's fun to work on one of your own cars. It kind of brings you back a little bit into yeah. like, you even care about any of this stuff? Definitely. Because honestly, when it comes right down to it, I don't really consider the cars to be my hobby or my main interest anymore. It's really turned into just operating this business and all the different little moving pieces and i feel like this covid deal has turned into a really cool case study and in, in you know how things can go wrong right and like you know okay so for one month we're huge awesome we'll survive it when's it going to drop off the next month even huger like okay well i wasn't really expecting that you know um i got less help than i had before and now i've got you know business and a half going on yeah and like all right well it's got to start going down now and the next month tapers off a little bit but it's still pretty busy and like okay maybe we're out of it but it's still too much i need help i hired i actually hired two people oh wow um yeah two uh two young people who have been doing really pretty cool pretty fortunate to grab these folks nice but you know that comes with its own thing. I got to train them. I got to get them all set up. Here's how you do the job in a crisis situation. You know, which makes it even harder for me to stay up on the things that I need to take care of. Um, and then you, you know, another month goes by and everybody's working along okay and it's good. And then you start thinking like, oh man, all right, well, is it slowing down a little bit now? Now I got to find other work for these folks to do. How can I grow? Let's get back into developing a website a little bit more because that was a project we had to drop. I mean, the last time I touched uh, the next version of our website that I've been working on was back in April. Ah, shit. And I had to drop it, you know, and it's already paid for, full investment. It's literally, you know, a month or something away from launching. And I, uh, boy, it would have helped too. Some of the cool shit that I have, but it really helped, right? This whole thing. But here we are. I go and email the the website developer people, and my designer had to get a job because his business completely dried up from COVID. Oh shoot! COVID and also you know com- competing services, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the developers that I was paying to come up with all the cool software, they took a big corporate client. Kind of the same thing. They weren't being fed work, so they had to take. So here I am. I want to start on it again, and now it's slow to get off the ground. And I'm like, oh, man, like uh, manipulating all the little chess pieces 
And and zero of this has to do with really just sort of like putting parts in people's hand or or really to do with cars at all, honestly. Um, you know, the people that I've hired don't know anything about car parts or really cars or anything like that, right? Yeah. It's all a matter of how do I get this machine to operate right when, you know, you're really not in the greatest environment for it. That's really turned into my... Um, you know what it's turned into for me is it's all about running this business and this is I guess I kind of feel fortunate yeah to have this happen because it's given a lot of opportunity to learn things definitely man you touched on a, a couple key topics right there before we get ahead um, I had a conversation yesterday with my son and uh, he's gonna come hang out at the shop because he wants to save up for a, a computer setup for his gaming so I said, okay, look, you'll get you could pay this much an hour or whatever. You just come in and do what you got to do. And then I was breaking it down to him. Look, this is how a business runs. There's a checklist of so many things that need to get done. Everybody is collectively trying to check that stuff off. So you don't have to have a certain type of skill in something. You don't have to know a certain type of something. Just help us check things off the list. You know, and when people understand that more, it, it makes them feel like a, a piece of something larger rather than my job is just to pack orders and everything else doesn't matter because my job is just to pack orders. No, if the restroom is out of toilet paper, that's your job. That's my job. That's everybody's job because I'm not above anything and I'll do anything that needs to get done. If the restroom needs to get mopped or what have you, I'll do it. So it, it's great to be able to find people like that, that, you know, maybe they're not even into cars, which shit, that might even be ideal situation. I, you know what? I feel like um, I had somebody else working for me last year and she was um, a really good mix of, you know, she was really savvy person, communicated really, really well, very likable and very sociable person. Um, and her husband uh, is a mechanic, mm -hmm. you know, and just sort of through osmosis, she absorbed enough of the terminology nomenclature. And really, I think more importantly, like what what it means, what buying car parts means and what working on what working on automobiles is all about. I think that's really it. Like whether or not somebody knows what a, a B series swap is or whatever. I mean, I think that's important for a salesperson. Yeah. Just sort of an operations person. It's not really, I think what, what's really come in to be the most important thing in, uh, in this sort of environment is what I've done. You know, I think you're right about your whole, the checklist thing and, uh, making people understand they're part of a bigger picture. Um, what I try to give people right up front is that these uh, car parts purchases that people are making are, I mean, I think to the outside world, they seem probably pretty superficial, you know, mm -hmm. sprints or, you know, brake pads or, but our customers take this stuff very seriously. Like it is, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Somebody like buying jewelry or something like that. Yeah. It's something that adds to your life. Yeah, right. It's not just playing with your car. Like the car, when you when you fix it up, it is like an extension of yourself. It's um, it's the type of thing where 
well, to, to bluntly be about it, when something goes wrong, it's devastating to people, right? Even though it's not a big deal. And I think that everybody could probably admit that it's not that huge of a deal. But when they go, you know, I'm not really angry. I'm just disappointed. I wanted to put my stuff on this weekend. And I paid for the shipping. And I thought that meant that you would get it to me by Friday so that I could stop. It's like, man, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, I don't want to have that. Like, so I always say, like, you know what? If it's Friday and you got 20 things to ship, like, Ship the East Coast stuff more than more than anything, because they'll get it next Friday if it's ground. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm always like trying to get it to them for the weekend. Like this stuff is really important for people, and the weekends become important. And like, you know, they're not just ordering this thing; they're ordering this and like five other things. And so something might fall apart in that chain. That's true, but I don't want to be the one. Yeah. Right? Like, want to be the reliable one, because you know. And, and it means a lot to folks. And then when they get so upset and they contact us back, like, I think that's the number one thing I'm trying to, like, impress on my employees is that when we put a period wrong and a message is understood in the wrong way, and then I get the call or the text or the, well, what the heck are you guys doing? What does this message mean? Like, to me, that damages the whole, the whole promise, right? Yeah. And, you know, I've got, I've gotten... I'm trying to get them to understand the culture that goes along with car customization, you know? And, um, and to me, that's like, it's been really challenging them not being car people, you know? Got you. Yeah. That, uh, that skill there is, um, I learned that through working at Best Buy. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, they were really, really big on customer service. And at some points, you know, me not being a business owner, I would see it from a different way. And I say, well, this customer is being an asshole or whatever, like screw them, tell them go somewhere else. But I didn't understand what the name Best Buy represented. You know, mm -hmm. it represents something just like, you know, the, the, the joke that goes on with Chick-fil-A, you know, where, where people... We go to oh my my pleasure. What else you need? Okay, got you, got you, money. You know, it's it has that reputation because with Chick Fil A that the, yeah. they're extremely helpful with oh, okay. everything. All right, you know, there's even jokes where like uh, if they're you're ordering outside and okay, come on, uh, can you pull forward please? And the guy's like running next to the car. Oh yeah, yeah, my my, my pleasure. You want more sauce? You know, because the, they're just there's extremely helpful. So when you yeah. go work at Chick Fil A, you know, like. Once you leave there, you're going to have that embedded in you that mm. your customer service is number one because you understand that the the impact is not just when just not fulfilling somebody being hungry. It's more than that. It's yeah. with flavor. It's the experience. It's telling other people it's, you know, and that's that's the kind of environment I want to have with Downstar. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing isn't really even a necessity. Like, you don't have to change up your hardware. You don't have to do any of this stuff. So when people decide that they want to support us, spend money, uh, their hard-earned money on our parts, I have to make sure that the, the transaction is great all the way through. Not just, yeah. okay, you received a bolt and a washer. You got what you wanted. What more do you want? We want to provide them more on top of that. So next time when they're building their car, it doesn't even 
register as an option. It's like, okay, first I got to get the engine. I got to get the header. I got to get the hardware. I got to get the harness. You know, I want us yeah. to be in that, that position because if I didn't think of it that way, maybe that could be something that they could take off the list easily because it doesn't have as much value to them. Well, I think you've taken it to another level too, at least from my perspective, where when you think hardware, you're hopefully thinking downstar. Yeah. Like it's more than about, you know, being part of that checklist. Like you want to be the band-aid of nuts and bolts for Honda. You know what I mean? Like definitely get some downstar bolts or whatever, you know, that, I mean, and that's a really, I, I think all the things that you're doing, you know, between all the things you've done so many things, like it all kind of speaks kind of the same thing. Like you're out there and you're, you're, you're part of it trying to be part of people's car life in some way, or even just part of their social life. Yeah. And, uh, I think that really gives them maybe some more confidence in even saying if they even want to get that kind of product. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, I think that having it mean more is really what it's all about. Like when somebody says Downstar, you want them to have that positive feeling. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I like to do all this stuff, you know, the podcasting and everything. Yeah, at the end of the day, hopefully all of this drives sales. But I've I've reached the point where, you know, the attractiveness of of money isn't really there anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm of course I want to grow, but the goal isn't to make more money, it's to have more of an impact. And with that impact does come money or sales or what have you, you know, but I feel like conversations like this on the podcast these are so much more valuable valuable to people because we're actually in the trenches with them. We're part of the community and maybe we could bring up some ideas about the community or even, you know, business owner to business owner right now, maybe somebody's listening that's just a customer and never looked at it from a business point. So these conversations could not only help your business and my business, but they can help out like a, a Hasport or a K-Tuned, which you know, people, maybe they'll just back off a little bit from sending them those, those messages because they understand, yo, times are tough for everybody right now. And just because you have the money doesn't mean that we have the parts ready to go as fast as you would want them to go. How many times do you get somebody hitting you up for a tracking number when like literally you are about to ship the thing or like it was going to ship today? Yeah. That happens you know, a lot. It's like if you just had that one or two days extra, like yeah. a lot of those times. And you know, it, it always kills me too because I feel like when somebody goes, oh, hey, you said it was going to ship today and I haven't seen a tracking number. It's like, well, yeah, here it is. Like yeah. you, I always feel like the customer comes away from that thinking like, well, you know, I, I got it after I asked. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sometimes like, it happens <laughs> like that. It's a coincidence. Well, sometimes that happens too. No no joke about it. But, yeah, like sometimes you just want to be the one in front of it too. Yeah. But, yeah, like, um, you know, having a little bit of consideration on the back end goes a long way. Because, you know, I think that people get a misconception of how big our companies really are anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, me and, um, you know, two part-timers and a full-time, but two of them I just hired. Yeah. Like it was me one other guy for like, you know, the last 
you know, six or eight months. And, uh, and then, you know, you know, my wife does a lot of accounting work too, you know, but that even is just part in the evenings. Yeah. Like we're not a large company, you know? And it's not even just us. If you, if you think about it and if I could think about it, some of the biggest companies in the community, they're not that big. They're not big. You know, even if you go to somebody like, like a JHP, you know, I'm sure that their staff is probably around like 10 people or so. It's not that crazy. And, uh, you know, myself, the staff isn't huge. Even knowing like Rywire, their staff isn't huge. So, but we're all trying to do the most that we can maximize the time that we have there because we understand how hard it is to find people who are dedicated and who want to work at these businesses and have the same sort of passion, maybe not for the product itself, but passion on doing your best every single day. And it's hard, man. And then you find a guy that maybe you want to hire and they're into cars. So you think, Oh, that's kind of cool. But then you understand like after a while, wow, this guy just wants to be around for the name or whatever. They're around for the wrong reason. So if it was easy enough to just go on a website and find somebody to work and it's going to work out, dude, I would have so many employees. But there's a lot of the uh, the the secret sauce that goes in between the business that you kind of just don't want to put all of that out there to just somebody. Because you want people to think that you're legit, you know, that you're stable, that you're going to follow through. If, it, if they knew it was just two or three dudes in an ugly building, then, you know, they might think twice, you know, they might go to the fancy place down the street, you yeah. know, so you kind of want to have that image yeah. of being, you know, big and professional and so many years in business and uh, all that. I think it means a lot to customers to know that they're buying from a legitimate company. So that online presence, you know, helps that. Yeah. But then how do you get them to throttle back and say like, well, when you call or send an Instagram DM or a Facebook message or you email or you text or you do maybe two or three of those things all at once, <laughs> one dude manages all of that. Like one guy. <laughs> like, and you look stupid doing it. I'm going to tell you this right now. When you get a DM, a text, and an email and they're all within the same few minutes, it's like, bro, chill, dude. I got you. I got you. <laughs> happened yesterday. This guy texted me and then a little later on i got a dm you know i i didn't get the one text i got five and then i got three (laughs) instagram dms i'm talking to both and i know that i had a couple of people waiting for some flash pros for tls and then this guy's like when's my tl shipping i'm like well they should have all shipped already and then i get a message over here and i said well it it should have already shipped check your order online okay and then over here it's like oh link me and i sent the link i'm like all right cool and then oh it looks like it already shipped like yeah it did and then finally I put two and two together. It's like, it's the same guy. <laughs> I'm like, I said, man, I said, whatever communication channel you want, I'm with you. But please just try to pick one. <laughs> I'll send the same message to all of them at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Uh, it's pretty funny because, like, you know, I, you know, I don't manage all that. That that's fine. Actually, most of the customers end up being pretty straight up and pretty yeah. most of the time. It's uh, some of them get pretty having having an opportunity to answer these emails with my wife, um, who's been with this since the beginning, right? Like, you know, she kind of got uh, heel toe started after I met her, but 
you know, I became a package deal at that point. Yeah. And at some point it wasn't really that happy of a package, but you know, we plowed through it and she's been exposed to it so much that she kind of knows the lingo. She knows enough about the cars and she knows enough about the customers. And then just, but like interacting with her, answering some of the guys, some of y'all's emails are like, you know, yeah, super entertaining. <laughs> like, it's fun, man. It really yeah. makes me feel like I can have uh, 200 children and I'll be straight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dealing with problems all day and these problems aren't even problems and the answers could be answered very easily but it's like okay I don't know okay whatever you know but it's okay it's it's, it's when they get rude though yeah people have been rude lately have you had rude people uh I've I mean just just that customer that I was talking to about you know the checking in on a package a month and a half later he was a little yeah. rude at the beginning but until I told him like dude you're a business owner too you can't come out what in the world? Oh. There you go. That was weird. I'm, I'm here. I didn't know. It was probably happened. the customer. He's hacking it right now. He says, stop yeah, talking shit about me. Yeah. But no, shout out to him. It, it, you know, it hasn't been everybody hasn't been rude. I think the other, the other thing that we came up on one of these, uh, you know, spring selling seasons a few years ago is like, well, look, you know, certain percentage of people are going to be a pain in the butt or have a problem or, you know, we'll screw up a certain percentage of things. And when you have, like you said, twice as much business, well, that's twice as many people that are going to have problems. So maybe it just feels like yeah. there's a lot going on that's negative, but really in reality, it's the same percentage that it always is. Yeah, and then on the other side of the coin, you know, we've had some orders that were probably like on the, the 16th of July, and we're barely being able to get them out today. And people emailed us, and I said, look, I told him honestly, look, we're waiting for these parts to come in. We have you down. You know, I apologize. And I, oh, don't even worry about it. Awesome, bro. Thank you. I appreciate you. it. Those yeah. are the best customers to have. And if you're a customer, that's the best way you can handle things because then the, you make the business feel so much better. And a lot of these businesses are, are they feel like shit all the time, man. And they, especially if, if the business owner is an enthusiast as well, I feel like shit when I can't get these parts out to you in a, in a timely manner. It makes me feel like shit because I know how I feel on the opposite end waiting for parts to come for my car. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wanted to touch on something uh, that you spoke about, which was, um, you know, your passion for this thing. And I want to see if we can translate that into you going to pick up the new NSX. So, so so tell me about when you started realizing that you were losing a passion, losing the passion for it, or wasn't your main passion, and, and what are the things that kind of spark it up for you again? Yeah, I as a car enthusiast, I uh, and preface this, it's a new to me NSX. It's rather old. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I think when I think about me as a car enthusiast, it's I feel like it's hard to actually get on the same plane that a lot of like our customers are, you know, because I, I look at cars. I've, I've been interested in cars and trucks and stuff like that for my entire life. And, uh, you know, when it finally came around that I could get one and play with it and put it together, it became just as much about driving it 
as it did working on it. Probably more about driving than working on it. Mm -hmm. um, I only kind of learned how to work on things a little bit later on. And I only really got so far into tearing things down and building them up. I say this now, I'm completely redoing cars now. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's not been one of those... Um, it's, it hasn't been one of those things that I've always lusted after as an object. Mm -hmm. right? Like, I feel like the car is sort of in me. Like, it's, it's just sort of part of my chemical makeup is being interested in cars and having to do with them. And it might just be because they're mechanical things. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of like mechanical things. I like watching how things work. You know, to me, it's like, it's magic, yeah. right? I understand all the science. And I understand that it's not magic, but it's like man came up with this. Yeah. You know, they dug enough metal out of the earth to melt it and build an engine. And then at some point they figured out how to mix it with some other shit that they pulled out of the earth and refine that into, to me, it's amazing. The whole thing, the, the whole and look at what it's turned into. The entire uh, infrastructure of the automotive industry is is amazing. Yeah. Um, to me, it's it's more about what all went into making it. And you know what? It, I've done a lot of reading on NSXs over time. Obviously, I've always thought that they were cool because I'm a Honda guy and it's the coolest Honda. And you know, I, if you look at the time frame when they designed that car. And the different things that they um, had to do to even make an NSX. And the whole reason why they made an NSX. Like, what Honda was at that point. It, like, kicked off what we all call the golden era, right? Of, of Honda-dom. And to me, it's, it's a symbol of that company, my love for the brand. That it's, it's, to me, bringing to life that power of dreams thing. You know, because 10 years before that, there were they were still pretty successful car company, but really just doing little import whatever cars. And if you just look at the timeline of, of, of the development they did through the 80s and then into the 90s, it's like amazing to me, you know. And, and it was more about, I think, owning a piece of that Honda heritage gotcha. than it was having having the car. Got you, got you. you know, and uh, I remember a particularly stressful conversation I was having with Elise like a couple weeks ago. And I said, like, you know, we're getting hammered here, hammered, hammered, hammered. And like, where's, where's the, where's the payback, right? Like, it's more stress. The better I do, the more stress that comes. She goes, your payback is in the garage. You know, you got that NSX. And I thought, you know what? That's true, maybe on the outside, but I don't look at the car as something to make my life better necessarily or it's not a reward i don't go out there and drool over it yeah. to me it's like you know it is it's its own thing yeah the fact that i get to own it i'm very proud of right um but i'd also sell it in a heartbeat too you know yeah. if i need it's not i'm not like committed to to it as a lifelong thing um unlike my tsx i'm definitely committed to that as a lifelong thing yeah. but you know I just really appreciate how these cars are put together and some of the backstory behind how they were put together, where they came about, you know, and, I, and of course, you know, if I'm going to get one, I got to get the right one for me and the right one popped up. So, 
I was on it. So, and now I have it. I'm stoked, you know? So you were saying that you were uh, going through a stressful time before you went to go get this? Yeah. So what did, what did the NSX represent to you from that stressful time? Like the, was, was just the traveling over there, just the taking the break, getting the NSX? Did you see all of that as some kind of reward for everything that you're going through? Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. Hilto Automotive has been a supporter of Downtime with Downstar for quite some time now, and we know that they're in your corner, that they got your back, whether you're under a car or you just need some help. No matter your race, creed, engine platform preference, that motto stands true. Accord, Civic, S2000, any Honda, any customer, anywhere in the world with equal respectful treatment for all. We at Downtime with Downstar share these values. And as a special gift to Downtime listeners, they are giving you guys a special deal. Using the Let's Deal function at the top of HeeltoeAuto.com, you'll find an option to request a special quote. Submit a special quote using the key phrase, I'm down with Downstar. Once again, the key phrase is, I'm down with Downstar for a special deal on whatever you're shopping for. And of course, if you need any help, Marcus from Heeltoe is available by call, text, email to help out. Heeltoe wishes you guys a happy, healthy, and safe 2020. So I know a lot of you guys are questioning, what is this whole cult thing that's going on? Well, we at Downstar are starting our own cult. What is it? Are you gonna have to drink punch? Are we gonna sleep with your wives? No, none of that yet. But what it is, is a direct number to us, meaning me, Frank Downstar, I'm the one that's answering the text. So please, right now, text us, 818-403-3473. You're just gonna have to follow a couple simple steps, get added to your contacts, and uh, text us, you know? Let us know what you're thinking of the episode so far, if you guys have any questions, anything like that, anything, even wanna talk about life, man, just shoot us a text. We're here to help you guys out, and we're here to have some fun, man, and uh, that's what the cult's about. So come join the cult, 818-403-3473. No charges, we're not gonna be selling your info, no bullshit like that, guys, just straight up fun. So make sure you guys shoot us a text right now, 818-403-3473 and uh enjoy the rest of the episode have a good day i think what i think what it did is it liberated me it liberated me from feeling obligated like as we talked about you know we're really committed to getting our customers their stuff right and that goes all the way down to even my word choice when i'm texting with people like i try to put all kinds of effort into just making sure that people don't get lit off, that I'm not misunderstood, that they get their thing quickly. Hopefully they don't even have to hit up, hit me up unless it's to say that they're happy. Like there's a lot of uh, energy that of mine that goes into just making sure that everything is okay, right? And what I've finally been able to do is step back and say like, look, you know what, a lot of stuff isn't gonna be okay. You know, if, yeah. if, if anything that COVID has really showed me is that you could do your damnedest and there will be a way that the world will screw it up for yeah. you. And I can't control it. Like, I can't control, you know, what Skunk 2 does. I can't control customs. Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, I can't control uh, somebody being upset over something that we've done or didn't do. 
And so I thought, I think what, and I almost didn't go. I almost paid a transport company to, to bring the thing to me. But I thought, you know what, man, this is such a cool opportunity. It's summer. Yeah. My kid's out of school. It's Father's Day weekend. It's far, but it's not that. I mean, I've done far drives. It's not like I can't do a far drive, yeah. you know. I got, it's COVID, but the flights are going, right? I get to take a flight during COVID, see what that's all about. Yeah. I'll get to see some friends on the way back. Like, when I really, what I do sometimes is I think about the story that I'm going to tell 10, 20 years from now, and I think back about that having more value than that extra few hours that I could you know, be working. Dude, it's, it's so like, funny that it's so funny. Sorry to cut you off. It's so funny that uh -huh. you say that because I was thinking like, you know, when people look back at 2020, they're going to have the most negative thoughts about it possible. And my right. goal is to make the best time possible out of 2020. So when people mention it and I mention it, it's a totally different story. You know, it oh, yeah. shows that I was able to overcome when I was presented with such uh, hard times that we're in nowadays, you know, and bro, as of August today, where we're at right now, 2020 has been an amazing year for us. And yeah. it's not only for because sales are up. It's because all of these challenges that are getting thrown in our faces, we're just we're just kicking their ass. You know, yeah. learning how to deal with it. Okay, this happened, this broke, this, that, this, whatever the fuck it is. That situation is what it is. Okay, suppliers out of that bolt, they're not making it anymore. Okay, I could either be down on it or I could be happy about it. Either of those decisions that I make are not going to change what is, what is what is. They're not making that bolt anymore. I'm going to yeah. be pissed off about it. Now I'm not going to be able to make this money. Customers are going to be mad, whatever. Okay. They're not making it anymore. I got to figure something else. Yeah. And then just go from there. So that's my that's my way of attacking this 2020s. I want to make this the greatest year because I know that not only am I going to remember this year, everybody is going to remember this year. And these memories that I'm making now are going to be amazing memories in yeah. 20 years from now yeah and i'll never forget the six circumstances around where i got that car yeah you know? i mean i think to a lot of people getting a car of any kind that they've been lusting after or dreaming for is um you know it's like an achievement yeah but i feel like it's a material achievement for a lot of people like especially when you look at people how how people get rid of their cars mm -hmm. you know it's like, I mean, I, I've, I've had to cancel numerous orders over the last few weeks because so-and-so sold their car. Mm. Like, man, how are you buying, like, hop-up parts for your car and then, like, next month you just sold it? Like, yeah. you know, I get that a lot. I actually get that a lot. Really? Man. Oh, yeah, dude. I get that a lot. I had a guy, <laughs> I had a guy cancel an order the same day he made it because he sold his car the same Freaking day. Oh, <laughs> that guy lives on the edge of his seat, bro. Uh, I mean, in his defense, like, I caught him on the phone, and he was like, man, I'm really sorry. 
like I was just at the store and somebody caught me in the parking lot and they really they threw a number at me and I was like what the fuck and we went to the <laughs> bank and he bought it. And I was like, awesome. Are you kidding? Like, all right, well, you know, I'll take your word for it for yeah. sure. But yeah, no, I think that to to me there's a commitment that goes along. You were just talking with Mike, yeah, and I listened to that pod yesterday. Awesome, and the, thank you. It, the fact, oh yeah, I listened to, I listened to most of the ones that. I have time for. I found that I have a hard time concentrating yeah. while I'm listening to podcasts, so it's hard for me to do all I'm working, and I'm mostly working. Yeah. But I listen to them when I go on like little quick road trips. Anyway, I listen to the Mike one, and you know him and the fact that he's had that tank for so long, like he's truly in love with and committed to that car. Yeah. Right. Like he changes stuff on it all the time. You know, we've had parts on there, and they've come off. Different parts went on. I've had other parts go on there. It's just neat to watch that. Yeah. You know? And I kind of feel like, you know, those are the people that, you know, I can't remember how we got on this topic necessarily. But it's like, just you know. Just keep it rolling. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, I feel like that's where, you know, a car person really comes comes through. You know, like once you own the car and you put your touch on it, I feel like that. In, in a part becomes your car. Yeah. You know, you'll always be a part of that car's history, you know, but if you can just drop it, then like, you know, why fix it up so much? So you did, did you do it for you or did you do it to fix up the car? Dude. <laughs> I've thought about things so crazy like, right? So, you know, the, the heavy in the streets EG, the gray EG that we have right now with the graffiti and the engine band stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. That car before that belonged to Will Salazar from yep. Circuit Hero. And uh -huh. when he had it, it was, uh, you know, K-Swap. I, I don't remember if it was turbo or all motor or what, but it was on the cover of Honda Tuning. Before that, Ryan Hegner had it, which is, yeah. uh, you know, the founder of Eibach Meat, the one who runs Eibach Meat. Um, you know, some exciting changes coming to Eibach Meat, so make sure you guys check them out at Instagram, Eibach Meat. But, um... So I'm like, damn, that's crazy because Ryan's my boy, dude. And this used to be his car. And then when I'm talking to Mike G about it, he was telling me that somebody else owned that car before Ryan, you know? <laughs> so, so look at all of these things. I had it. Will had it. Ryan had it. Somebody else, I forget his name, had it. Who else had it before then, before the car came off of the dealership? Right. Yeah. So then now you say how you like to see how things are put together, how it's it's like magic, how it all comes together. Now, now think about this. When the car's at the factory, every bolt's going on, the welds, the paint, you know, that's like a baby being born. You know, if you, you think about it, you're like, how, dude? OK, think about it like this. When they're making the shell, where does that material come from? How does it form? Somebody has to get the metal, melt it down or whatever, and then it forms that, putting everything together. Finally finished. This is a finished product ready to go to the world. This is a born baby, right? So now I, I'm living my life and I'm building a relationship with this object, which if you want to think about it, is has its own history, has its own life, just because it's not able 
to to talk about it, you know, to share the memories it's had. Tell me that there isn't a time that Ryan Hagner spent inside of that car where they're at the street races or something like that, you know, going to JG Engine Dynamics, that exact car. So if that car was able to express its feelings, express its memories, then we would take it seriously as being, you know, another sort of being. But that's the way that I think about everything. And the the only way that that car is going to be done and non-existent is after it goes to the junkyard they break it down to the smallest and those pieces get melted down or what what have you you know so Mm -hmm. when you look at cars like that you understand like you know you're poor you're part of something that's even bigger than just maybe what that customer was thinking oh you know it's just a car or whatever i'll just get another car no you're you're part of the the lifespan you you guys are building a relationship as much as you know you would build a relationship with a friend or something like that the only thing that makes that relationship differently is yeah this this person can communicate and you guys could talk about the memories in the future but when you look back at pictures say if i got a picture from like will or something like that when that car finally finished getting resprayed and then i go look at that car now and then see the imperfections i can see that like it's lived a life from the time yeah. it was a full resprayed shell to what it is now and then it'll continue living on after me you know yeah that might be looking into a lot a lot deeper but when you look at things like that it kind of makes you appreciate things even down to like an insect you know that that insect is living its life right now and you're some giant ass thing that it doesn't even know what you are but you're gonna end its life because it's pestering you and you don't want to open the window and just swat it out you know (laughs) it's a crazy way to look at things yeah i guess so but you know what i I know i think i know what you're saying because i have um you know, most of the cars that I've had that I thought were good, I end up having a connection with them. You know, like when I think of the cars, like, and I and I'm sure a lot of people do too. When you think of the car, you like you think about times that you had with it, or things that you've done, or yeah, I've had the opportunity to do lots of things with lots of Hondas. You know, all of them pretty low key. You know, I've never been a real, you know showgoer kind of guy like yeah. i've done some shows and things but nothing too nuts um but really what it means to me is like how i get to interact with that car and the things that i've done and the and the places that i've gotten to go and you know you do you want the car to go somewhere where you think it's going to get taken care of yeah you know i've had a couple of cars i've had the pleasure of knowing where they ended up or at least to a certain point and like well, you know, I really kind of bummed that I sold that car, but at the same time, I'm glad that it's that it's there now, you know, or whatever the case is. Like yeah. Junior's car. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's that. That's my Super Street article when I had that car before. Oh shit! Jonathan Wong shot in 2003. Wow. But yeah, that like that having that car come to the surface again, because. Uh, you know, that, that arrow kit that he has on there. You know, I collected all that stuff. The Mugen one? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I had the car, the steering wheel, the exhaust, all the wheel. Well, he his CF-48s, he picked those up. But the Fortrans I had collected. 
that car we prototyped a private label suspension kit with Tame. I got, ended up getting the aero kit for it. Um, I had a lot of stuff on that on that car, and um, the guy that bought it off of me uh, put the kit on, and then I think he pretty much turned around and put the car in storage. And uh, now here it comes up. Junior's got it, yeah. and I can't think of a better person to to have it. But and he's just taken it to a whole other thing, you yeah, know. Definitely, it's very legitimately like his car now. Um, but you know, I look at it and I kind of feel like, you know, it's like one of my kids or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know? for real. Like, you know, it's 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 some it's in some ways challenging because it gets so much like attention and you know, oh yeah, that was a past for me, you know. Yeah. But by the same token, I know that it's um. I mean, I know it's in really good hands, and he's doing really great stuff with it. Uh, that's like probably the perfect example of. I'm so glad that I know where that car is gone because I had some really cool time with that car. Um, that's through that car I ended up meeting like all the AM7 guys, mm. and uh, you know, doing those import show-offs in O two O three. Yeah, uh, did a pretty good handful of it with that car. I think that I got it. I ended up getting a third place. Uh, trophy with it at one point for old school. Very cool. Which was neat. Yeah. But, yeah, that car, and then I had a, um, my wife actually bought a CX hatchback, a little white one. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a mini-me conversion mm-hmm. with a VTEC single cam head and a Z6 transmission, and then uh, Apex turbo kit on top of that. Okay. Man, that car screamed, yeah. you know? awesome but it was kind of like you know too many cars or too much car at the time or whatever it was i think i i gotten like a couple speeding tickets i thought this car is too quick i let it go to another guy who turned it into a track car and i think it's still somewhere now i can't i don't know exactly where it's at i think it ended up going through our crew or something Mm. but uh anyway i i like looking back and seeing all those different cars and what I was able to do with them and, you know, be a part of the buildup of those things. I just can't stand when, you know, it turns into a, a nothing thing. Part out, sell it, whatever yeah, I'm yeah, over. Yeah. It's like, well, let's put all that energy into it if you, maybe, it, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's over speaking too much. You know, you can do cars as a casual thing. They don't have to be like a, Fucking like life, like you know. Oh, don't have, yeah, you don't have to get buried in every one of them. I guess. <laughs> Do you ever feel yeah. like the uh, the the business, um, you know, had a had a negative effect on your passion and made oh. you kind of like just want to step away sometimes and not think about cars? You know, I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I still don't know if I would call what I have with cars a passion. Got you. You know, I think it's in a way kind of like deeper than that. Yeah. You know, to me, cars are like air. You know, you don't get passionate about air, but you need it in your life. Yeah. Right. Like, if I couldn't have cars in general just around, I think I would probably just. Well, I don't know, what the hell would I do with myself, you know? Well, let me ask you this, because this is a hard one for me. If it was, 
cars versus music one of them had to go you know and 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 go meaning you don't feel the same way about it obviously it still exists you know there's Mm -hmm. there's millions of people who use cars from a to b and they don't even consider it you know just probably as much as we consider uh, a good vacuum you know okay the vacuum's there it does what it does but you know i'm not on on dyson uh forums and things like that so would you rather i don't even know how you feel about music but this is something that i always throw around in my head like if i was to choose one or the other man that would be an extremely hard choice for me to make no not me (laughs) no you're not a music guy yeah i don't need music really i I like music and you know i'm glad we get to talk about this because you talked to everybody about music and we didn't get too much yeah i mean i really i like music uh, I do, but I like music because, uh, you know, I like the rhythms, you know, of of different music. And I'm not really, I don't really care what genre it is. I yeah. just kind of like how, uh, you know, I think music just has, for me, sometimes, it's a way to quiet things down. You know, I, I like to listen as background music. I, I don't really listen to lyrics so much. Mm. Like, you know, I like hearing... Um, like a singer's voice as an instrument more than I like what they're saying yeah. most of the time. Um, only sometimes do, you really, do I really kind of get connected with a song, and I think it's usually because I have, you know, learned a little more about it or, or really did sit down and pay attention to it. But, um, yeah, I think, I think I just look at music as basically an art form mm-hmm. that, you know, I could live without paintings too. Yeah, yeah, way. yeah. Yeah. Now, hearing that would be something else. Like, I would, I would be perfectly entertained. You know, listening to, you know, a movie. We love movies over here. We we we're movie people. Gotcha. Um, but you know, like if I could just listen to podcasts, I'd be totally cool with that. Like, I don't know, I, music to me could go, and I probably wouldn't. I would probably miss it. Yeah. But as long as I had cars. You know, yeah, the car makes its own music. I feel you, man. Um, and that's just one of those things. You know how it's hard for us to comprehend somebody who's not into cars and who's not passionate about it. You know, it, it's hard for me to comprehend when people aren't really into music. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll talk to people, even good friends of mine, that I just the topics never come up, and then it comes up, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I just I don't whatever. I don't really care. I just put on the radio, and to me, it's like. It's mind blowing because music has had such an impact on me ever since even before I was even looking at cars, you know, just as a child. And then, you know, um, going into like live shows and things like that, being exposed to rap and hip hop, but also, you know, classic rock and punk and, you know, uh, emo rock and all that kind of stuff. So once you start diving into music as sort of an enthusiast, you understand that, wow, there's a whole different world out here. And then when you're into hip hop and then you start breaking down lyrics and then you're understanding what this person's trying to say, but they're saying it in a coded language that, that flows with the rest of the track. But then when you actually break it down, you break down the codes and you understand what they're trying to say. And, it's it's like an extreme art form you know so for me it's it's like dude 
it would be so hard for me to make that choice. Although I do love cars and I'm very, very passionate about cars, you know, I can't drive or feed that passion 24-7. But I could wear headphones all day. I think, I think um, you know, you, you get a certain amount of exposure or you think about it a lot. It requires a lot of paying attention, right? Like, you've clearly been paying attention enough yeah. to be able to pull it apart. Like you appreciating music to me kind of feels like somebody like Joey appreciating somebody's import build. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He doesn't just look at the wheels or the body kit or the paint. Like I think a lot of people see that it's a cool car the way that people see it. But I think when he sees it, I think he sees something else. Like I think he sees a lot of the decisions that had to be made. Yeah. You know, a lot of the little details and things that go into it. Right, more than what other people might superficially look at. Yeah, and uh, whether he communicates it or not, like I think that he's got an eye for somebody who's done a good job. You know, Dude, and yeah, I've started, definitely. I've started trying to do that a little bit more with uh, films. Like when we want, and I don't, I'm not like a a film like buff or anything like that. We don't watch all indie films and shit. Yeah, but you know, I do. I do like watching movies, and at a certain point, I started really paying attention to um, people's acting, mm -hmm. you know, the actors on screen, and I think it was, it was only about a year ago, we were flipping through Netflix, and there's like a John Travolta movie on there, where he's, uh, it's about racing, you know, of course I wanted to watch it, because it was about like stock car racing, mm -hmm. but, you know, this movie, like you can watch John Travolta, and I've seen him a number of times, and I don't necessarily think that John Travolta is a amazing actor or even one of my favorites. Yeah. But I really watched this movie and I thought, and I can't remember the name, you know, it's on Netflix. Leave it so. in the comments, guys. Yeah. I think um, when you watch it, though, like, man, he's playing the shit out of this character. Like, and I think that when you see an actor in many different roles and then you can really kind of pull apart how they fall into that role yes. and if they can really play it. You know, and we just watched uh, Pulp Fiction again the other day, which is one of my favorites. Amazing. And the scripting, Tarantino, and then all of the actors in that movie, it's just amazing. Um, like, you fall into each one of those characters. And the writing does it, and the directing does it, and the acting does it. So, I don't know, but I've seen the movie probably 50 times. Yeah, You know, when you start really picking up on things... And then you see that in other films, too. I kind of feel like it connects to what you're saying about music, except for I haven't really paid attention to music that much to see it there. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and likewise, you know, you bring up Joey, and sometimes when he'll pick a car, my first instinct is, uh, I don't know, like, it's cool, you know, but he sees it at a different level because Joey's the kind of enthusiast who understands uh, you know the rarity of a part, the 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 background of a part, the uh, the co the background of the company of this part that was uh, you know they stopped making it in '95 in Osaka, Japan, or something like that. So he understands it a lot more, and I don't look at him in a different way. I look at me as not having as much time dedicated into the. Uh, the community as a whole, you know, and now yeah. that you speak about movies, like I love movies too, but I love movies for a different reason. And that's just like you were saying with music, 
You know, it's just, okay, this is just my entertainment for now. This is, I want to watch this. Hopefully it's a cool movie. After this is done, probably not going to think about it much. But if I were to watch movies, like you said, with John Travolta and you see him in, uh, in, the, in a family movie and then a rom-com and then a serious movie and then a horror movie and you get to see how he is in each of these movies, how he acts, how he reacts, not even him, just Denzel or whoever, it really yeah, makes yeah. you appreciate the art much more than, okay, this guy just got a script, he read the script, and now he's playing out the script. And yeah. it's, uh, I think each um each hobby that you would have or each thing where there would be enthusiasts whether it's music movies cars golf whatever um i think just being able to understand that there's more levels to it than the surface level that we do see makes it easier to understand that why people would dive deeper into these subjects because if you talk to somebody from the outside and they ask you hey what are you into Oh, I'm into like mid '90s Hondas. <laughs> like, okay, <Yeah. laughs> all right, whatever. But why, right? But why would somebody even give a shit? And why Honda? Like, how come it couldn't be Toyota? It's like, well, like, what makes this Civic so much better than a Corolla? Yeah. I mean, we all kind of know, but you know, there's something there. And somebody who doesn't, somebody who might like cars, but if they're not paying attention, or if they don't really pay attention to a particular Honda, they're not going to think anything special about an EG. But you know what? That's like me and you's like, you know, 65 Mustang. Yeah. Like that's going to be the one that's hot, the one that people fix up. You know, they're always going to be worth money. Yeah. You know, they're only going to go up from I mean there's a lot of them now like but you can already see like the the crazy money going into collector Hondas right now. It's like I mean, I don't believe it, right? Like what people will pay for a an ITR no. that's just to have like almost no miles on it or I'm something. I'm not that I'm not that type of enthusiast, so I yeah, can't me, speak but, on it. I I would no. never, I would never spend that much money. No. We were having this conversation about that, you know, it was that Integra that went for like sixty thousand or whatever Type R. I'm like, yeah, 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 all that stuff is cool and all, but it doesn't do anything for me. You know, I could build a Honda. Yeah, I could build it for ten thousand dollar Honda, and my eye is gonna go towards that one rather than to the bone stock one that has a thousand miles on or whatever like that's cool to me but if that was a 69 chevelle with a thousand miles on it that's a different story yeah but it just i don't know man it, it hasn't reached that level to me yet but in the future it will because our parents who were into you know those muscle cars that still goes on to this day. If you go to the track, there's still you'll find 50, 60-year-old dudes out there still racing their cars and building their cars. And that's such a small market. Dude, the Honda community is going to be able to live on forever. Just wait until somebody starts a company like Jags or Summit that's going to be having like oem restored parts and you know yeah. glass and mirrors and and moldings and grommets and all that kind of shit dude that's gonna re-spark more into the community and we're gonna just keep going on and on i mean as long as us as enthusiasts are still excited about it just like you know bob who's 65 who can't wait to get home to install some new headlights on his his camaro you know, yeah. so as, as long as there's still those leaders in the community and as long as there's people who can envision 
this lasting forever, it's going to. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's going to be a market for all of this stuff. And, you know, like, I think the restoration parts is, is a really big opportunity even today. Huge. Um, I've really looked at it. I've looked at it a few times since we make some for the older CRXs. The 84 to 87s, we make a bunch of body panels for those cars. Hmm. And, um, man, I sell more of them than I would think, for sure. And they're not really cheap either. Now, that's kind of a weird, culty little car. Yeah. There's really not tons of them around. But, you know, the body panels sell pretty well. And it's like, man, like, this molding or that or whatever. But, unfortunately, one of the struggles is is that when Honda made this stuff, none of those parts were really all that simple, mm-hmm. you know? And they did it with a quality that is hard to replicate, I think. Gotcha. You know, making I mean, you could build a, a Camaro or a or a Mustang from a catalog from yeah. the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could buy it everything, like the body and everything. You know, with the Honda, obviously you can't do that, but back in the sixties the parts were a lot more simple. Yeah. You know? Plus, um, you know, they sold a shitload of those cars. And I would imagine that a lot of the tools that were developed to make those parts have been made long ago, and they're still just making parts off of them now. Versus, you know, we're talking about your 80s or your 90s Hondas. Some of the manufacturing techniques that were used were a little bit more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, the quality is such that you could probably do your best to make a replica molding, and it would be really obviously a replica. Yeah. And... You know, I think that makes a particular challenge for people into Hondas. You know, if it's going to be 2045 or something like that, and you're going to want to restore a, an EG, like, hopefully somebody would make that stuff. But I think the suppliers that I've talked to, it, it would be a challenge. Because mm-hmm. most of them are making stuff for older cars, yeah. like you know, muscle cars or, you know, 60s cars or not even muscle cars, but cars from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. They're all American, and they're all much more simply made. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the flip side to that is I'm working on this 85 CRX, and I haven't had to replace a molding or, or a rubber weather seal on it. Like, it shit just lasts. Yeah. So, you know, with the availability of donor cars, mm, you know, certain cars are going to have to give up their... Their usefulness to become parts of other cars, but yeah, definitely. that might be where you know you you end up. Well, there definitely is a lot of room for improvement and a lot of room for growth in this community. So yeah. hopefully, somebody takes advantage of it. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody's really done it yet. I've I've really got my sights set on. You know, I think when you talk about that other level with the music, and we talked about cars and movies. I mean, I feel like I've kind of got that for how I want somebody's experience to be online when they're a car enthusiast Mm -hmm. trying to find information in parts. Like, I feel like I've got the vision, you know? Yeah. I just don't have the the ability to put it into, into life, you know? Um, but it's, I feel like there's a, a really big opportunity, even just in getting stuff that's available today, you know? Um, and of course, you know, that helps the market grow. Somebody my size isn't afraid to invest in, you know, a 50 or 100 piece production run of something that even though that might last me two or three years, 
a lot of big companies would never touch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you find a supplier that will, then I wouldn't mind. That that's how I end up selling stuff that other people don't have. Um, I end up being the only source for something because I just buy enough, and I figure it pays me off over a few years. Where you know I'm not trying to flip it around in a couple of months. Yeah. So I kind of want to keep myself in that spot, you know. But I need to grow a little bit more to expose to more people. But yeah, I think that there's tons of opportunity on new stuff and some of the oddball cars, you know, chassis and things. Yeah, man, I I feel so too, man. And I feel like when new businesses come out, the first thing that they go towards is replicating something else that somebody else has just because it's possible. And, you know, in business, it is what it is. You know, business is business. They can do that, and there's really not much that you could do. I mean, granted, sue them, patents, and things like that. But yeah, I wish there was a way that we, we as a community could make that market less attractive to bring out more innovation, newer products, different products, um, you know, something that we've never even seen on the market before. But it always just seems like it's the easiest thing for just somebody to come in and whether it's, you know, do hardware or whatever LCAs, something like that, whatever it is that's already been done like over and over again. How do we attract more people who have just different ideas and who who are ready to just go for it and push the community forward? I think we need more people like that. Well, you know, when I, when I started, you know, in like, playing with the car stuff 95 96 whatever the choices were a lot simpler like you know you didn't have all of these coilover brands like there wasn't nobody had coilovers the only people that had coilovers was they were custom uh, tubes and then whatever car you wanted to put it on you had to make brackets mm-hmm. and people on the street didn't do that that was for race cars right like you know, if you're on the street, you had some probably Coney's or Tokiko's and you either had iBox, H&R's, or you cut them, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, and I, I'm one of those people that doesn't have a problem cutting springs. And like, there's definitely a way to do it. It's not fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I've done it a hundred times, well, not a hundred times, maybe a hundred springs, but, yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world, right? It's just making it a little bit shorter. But ultimately, we didn't really have too many choices, right? Like, if you wanted a header, you had pace setter which was like spray-painted mild steel and kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And then you had DC Sports, which was like good domestically made. They make power, but not very sexy. And then you had like Mugen. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was a couple at light speed in there, or maybe there was something in between DC and Mugen. But um, really, that was it. Like, we didn't have to contend with this broad shopping landscape that's like eBay. Yeah. Or there was no, no production wasn't in China. Yeah. Like it didn't it didn't really exist in that fashion. So I think what you end up with is because so much of this stuff is made overseas, but they're not the innovators. Like they're the producers, mm-hmm. right? So they're not going to come up with something new. The choice now isn't between this is cheap and crappy, and I know it is, but I'm cool with that, or I'm in the middle, or 
I want the best, right? That used to be the choice. And now the choice is these all look the same, but the prices are all over the map. Like where, where's the point at where I should stop spending more money? Mm-hmm. And it's not a very clear it's not a very clear thing. So I don't know. I've kind of pulled back on it a little bit. You know, I used to get kind of agitated about knockoff parts, especially. Yeah. Or fake parts. It's like, you know, there's always been a market for cheap parts. And people people have to get them. And um, the, problem, the problem really comes down to um, it just limits the ability of a more legitimate company to come up with something new. Because, you know, then they don't have those resources you know, people still have to want to buy a Mugen header for them to want to even make them. Yeah. And I look at where we are now. Like, how many Hondas and Acuras have went by where Mugen just sort of said, well, we'll make some gas caps and, you know, some mirror covers and uh, exhaust system? No, we don't really need to do that on that car. We'll just you know, focus like, on F1. Yeah, I mean, which more power to them. But if you look in the 80s, right? The 84 to 87 CRXs, um, and Junior and I were talking about this actually, that catalog of Mugen parts for that car is like so vast. It's, they made, I mean, they practically made hardware for it. (laughs) You know, all kind of suspension bits, uh, dampers, but then, you know, the exhaust and then the aero package. And then you had the whole engine. I mean, they were doing cams, valve springs, pistons. I mean, Mugen made anything you might want to do to that car, for the most part. And um, they were sold in America. Like it was a, it was a real big. Here's Mugen America, right? And yeah. th- that's what they did. And then after that, it was just this taper away yeah. from from all of that. I don't know if it just didn't really catch on very well. I, I, who the hell knows? how their business on product developed but now at least with the fk8 they're kind of having a broad catalog again yeah you know um last year early uh, it was january 2019 when we went to auto salon we ended up going to the mugen factory so jealous of you guys dude like i should i feel like i'm like i want to be there too (laughs) it was amazing oh have i not even gone yet bro even honda pro jason's never been and he's been everywhere I believe it. But uh, yeah. so we went there and we're checking out the facility and just uh, that that facility is, is second to none that I've ever been to. It's amazing, you know. No disrespect, but it is four times the size of Spoon in Japan. You know, it's the I was talking about this on a recent podcast. The the slab of the foundation is. I think yeah. it was on with Mike. It, it was. Well, it's, Mike, yeah. it's on suspension. So even if there is a small earthquake, it's not going to mess up the um, the the preciseness of the parts. You know, which is awesome. But then at the end of it, we had um, we had kind of a roundtable talk, and it was it was myself, Rywire, uh, Ryan Hegner, uh, Scott from King. Um, and uh, then uh, Mr. Honda himself, and we're just talking, and I just bring up the point about, like, do they not see the value in social media and in the um, the passion that we have here in the States for older Hondas, 
because there's definitely a lot of opportunity in maybe, you know, retroing some of these old wheels or, you know, refocusing on the older chassis, which maybe they don't understand it in their culture because the older chassis don't last as long as they do here. You know, they, they get rid of them junkyards or sell them or whatever it is, you know? So that was something that, that I brought up and they seemed very surprised on the idea of, the power of social media. But just imagine if a brand like Mugen decided to do like Jordan and retro some parts for older chassis, maybe go as back as like an EG or start with an EK and then go back or shit, just go all the way back to, you know, like the, the EF CRXs and just test it out. Because if they were to do that, man, I think that would be a huge success for the business. I think it's neat that that um, King is doing that now, you know, with certain wheels mm-hmm. or things, or they brought back some radiator caps and stuff. Like, you know, I talked to Scott about a little bit, and he couldn't believe what some of the secondhand market parts were going for. Yeah, you know, shift knobs and stuff like that, which, you know, I can't believe what they go for new. To be honest with you, yeah, <laughs> you know, three or four times as much on the used market. It's crazy, but you would think, you know. Uh, he's recognized that and then let's put these parts in some more people's hands by making them again. I think it's a really neat thing for them to do, you know, and I don't know who knows Mugen is coming from a totally different cultural standpoint, not just because it's Japan, but just because of who they are. Yeah. Uh, They, they discontinue things pretty quick, but I think that they maybe don't have an understanding of how America treats these cars mm-hmm. you know we um the second generation tsx for example second generation tsx was not super well received when it came out in 2009 and kind of that weird shield in the front and a lot of people thought they were kind of ugly and they just didn't sell well on top of it being right after that huge recession that we had people weren't buying a lot of new cars to begin with mm-hmm. so second gen tsx's and fourth gen tls just weren't really very successful cars. They were too controversial coming out at a time when people were holding onto their money a little too much. You know, maybe a sexier car would have sold better or something like that. But anyway, what ended up happening was before that car is even done, they're already discontinuing parts off of it. Like they made an aero kit that people really like. You know, the mm-hmm. CU2 aero, aero kit is cool. Um, they had damper kits for them that were pretty good. Um, they had an exhaust system. They had a, a few parts, you know, mostly dress-up stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it was the car was scarcely out of production, and then they're, like, already killing stuff off. Well, what you find out is, you know, now, 2020, you know, 2015 to 2020, the car's really come into its own. People appreciate it a lot. And, like, you know, a Mugen Wing for that car would go for a lot. Um, you know, but they just... They were gone before you almost knew that they existed. If you're a newer enthusiast, you know, people here don't really start fixing up their cars other than your very early adopters, right? They don't really start fixing them up until they're like four years old or something. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of premature for them. It's great that they come out when the car is new, um, but those parts aren't marketed along with the new cars here. You know, they're, they're foreign. Yeah, And then, you know, by the time they're done with a production run, I figure, and I'm assuming, Mugen sees, like, lackluster sales numbers on 
aero kits for CU2, and they just kill it. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, people are like, well, I hardly had a chance. Yeah. And uh, King actually revived the window visors for that car. Hmm. Uh, they were discontinued for like a couple of years, and then I don't know if it was King or whatever, but they came back around again, and, you know, we've been selling them. Just sold some yesterday, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting what you're saying. Yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, the disconnect from social media. You know, and as much as people don't want to think that that is a factor, it definitely is. You know, just picture yourself a huge brand in Japan, you know, in the Honda community, almost second to none. You know, but if you're not connected to the younger enthusiasts and if that younger enthusiast isn't connected to the the grander spectrum of things that i.e the uh community here in the states you know because the communities in japan no matter what people want to think is nowhere close to as powerful as the honda community is here in the states it's ridiculous bro i've been to japan so many times and you go through the parking lot of auto salon and you could probably count on your hand how many hondas you're going to see their their mind has changed they're not thinking about hondas if as they did in the past you know it's like you said okay the chassis came out it wasn't selling scrap it you know but if they were to have eyes on the states and have enthusiasts who are in the game know everything that's going on know what's popular what's not shit maybe they would start you know and you said i haven't seen that yet but um how scott's coming out with uh new retro parts i think that's awesome and that's something that is a huge opportunity and it might not seem like a big deal to mr honda himself like why are people fixing up this 93 honda civic hatchback but it's not for him to know it's not it's not for him to understand and it's not for me to understand as a business owner but me being a business owner i need to fulfill all of these problems that are going on and opportunities and if this opportunity is wow this eg lip that we made back in the 90s is selling for three times what we sold it for back then light bulb maybe we could just bring it back and i could start making so much more money off of it and i'm fulfilling the situation but then that goes to what are they motivated by like do they even care yeah definitely are you motivated by sales yeah is it because this tsx kit didn't sell 50 units like you expected it only sold 43 so now you scrap it and try to figure out where else you could get money or are you really part of the community and you want to get more brand recognition out so you retro like a spark plug wire cover that you stopped production with you know so but also part of what makes those items coveted is the fact that you can't just go buy them yeah and that's the that's the tightrope you know, that's the balance that you're trying to be on. I think they just needed to make a little bit more. <laughs> like, a little bit more. Yeah. You know, like, give it 10 years, you know, before you decide that you're going to ax it, maybe. I don't know. Well, hey, it's their business. If you see things even, even a bigger picture, this is the son of Honda. So I'm sure yeah. he's not struggling with finances. Maybe his passion is with interior decorating or something like that. So it's just, 
you know, he comes and does Mugen for <laughs> this is just what I do. But then I have my island and, you know, I'm building a fucking sick ass house on it or compound or whatever. Yeah. With a, with a really close eye and attention to interior detailing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like seriously, though, how fast is your M8? Oh, dude. <sighs> It's fast, that bro. That is so crazy. You popped up with that thing and was like, oh, damn. It's, That's real. That that was my plan, bro. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the M4, the, the lease was up, and the lease was up in May. So ever since, fuck, November, I'm just tossing around ideas in my head. What do I get? What's next? You know, I'm even thinking about going with a Hellcat, a Challenger Hellcat, because I just love that car, you know? But the body of a Hellcat is pretty similar to like the v6 or whatever you can't really tell with badging and i think that 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 that's a huge problem that a lot of the domestics are having is they're not making their premium line much different than their entry level line as far as uh, a four series versus an m4 you can tell right off the bat you know so i was kind of like hesitant my wife worked at BMW and she's just, you know, the M8, it's coming out soon. I seen that car, you know, it's fucking sexy. And then it's, bro, it just, everything just worked out perfectly. Um, Ashley, my wife, she was actually going to stop working at BMW to work at Downstar because the stress of the job, um, of any job, is not really worth it because we're not in the uh, that financial need at that time. We're in more of a, a help time kind of need rather than a finances kind of need. So if you could come here and help us out with some of the orders here, we don't need you to be stressing out over there. We need you at the the we need you at home base to make sure home base yeah. is taken care of. So fast forward, COVID comes and um, they start talking about layoffs. So she talks to her boss and says like yo if you guys need to lay off somebody i'm already on my way out it would be best to just you know let me go because i don't want to take a job away from somebody else who needs it more than i do so that actually ends up happening and they go to lay her off which is on this friday so like a week before that we know that it's coming so i'm like dude we should get this m8 if if th- this is a small window that we have to get like the employee discount and things like that. So we're searching um, like their database and then one pops in and dude, it worked out so perfectly that on her last day is when the car came in getting detailed and stuff. So oh. it was awesome, man. And just to have her support with it and not having to talk her into it, but more of her talking me into it. Like, yeah. it, was, it was, it was a no brainer, man. And I, Oh man, I love that car, dude. And uh we just recently <laughs> got downpipes on it. We got it tuned by Gintani out here, which is a shop in uh, Van Nuys. They do like, you know, um exotics and things like that and pro that shit is insane. That wow. car is crazy. I took it to um to go pick up food one day and some older man, he's like, "That doesn't sound like a BMW." I'm like, "No, but it sounds like how a BMW should sound." <laughs> so, it's it's awesome, That's man. Cool. I love it. And it's definitely one of those things that I did not need, but with the times that we're in right now, you know, why do I work this hard? For what? <laughs> you know, why do I work this hard? Why do yeah. I have all this stress? I might as well shave off a little stress every day when I'm running errands. 
that I get That's to drive it. this car around. You know, it's funny because, you know, bringing it back to the beginning, nobody's going to feel sorry for us at all. Yeah. No, definitely <laughs> they not. Shouldn't. I mean, they shouldn't. You know, I think we were living the life that we chose, mm-hmm. you know, and I I could imagine doing anything else. And if, if that means that I have to work like crazy ass, I just posted on Instagram this morning, like this stack of paper that I need to go through just from one week, yeah. right? Which I didn't have time to do because I was fucking with my printer that broke yesterday. Yeah. Trying to get it working again. And I spent so much time screwing around with the printer that I didn't get any of that paperwork done and ended up having to buy a new printer anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I and I wanted to get maybe this or that. I was going to upgrade. I want to get one of those big office ones mm-hmm. that does all the shit. But no, I need a printer tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, you get right down to it. Like, I'd rather be doing that and have an NSX. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know. But at well, the end of the day, you're still human and you have human feelings, yeah. human emotions, and you should be able to express that. No matter if you have an NSX, MA, whatever, you have your own business, your your wife's don't work, like okay, yeah, I understand all of that, but that doesn't mean that life is easy for me. It's just yeah, it's- it's I, not easy. I've put myself yeah. in this position. I understand it. I could very well stop down, start today, close the website, go find a job, and my life is going to be less hectic. I understand that, you know. But what I want people to to understand is that business owners, they have a different sort of struggle. And although they do choose to put more on their plate, at the end of the day, that plate is still full. And you just saying well i mean at least you have an nsx at least you have your own business at least you can get there at whatever time yeah all of that's true two things can be true i could still be stressed out of my fucking mind and hard to sleep (laughs) at night because of everything that's going on so it's kind of like a compassion thing no matter what what is going on in somebody's life you have to understand that you know maybe some compassion can help them out rather than pointing out the obvious. Yeah, I understand. I don't have to be in the situation and I do have nice things, but with those nice things come a lot of stress, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people stay employed. They would want to have their own business. Maybe they see me or you and they get inspired or something of what their life could be like and they don't really know, yeah. which is fine. I would encourage everybody to try by the way. That is one of the great American benefits is that they will just let you do whatever the hell you want, you know, like you can open a business doing whatever you want, you know, that's legal. Yeah. And uh, that's your that's your definite privilege as an American to do that. I would tell everybody to try it. But, you know, the stability goes away and it's you have to look at stability. Like if things are going easy, like you got to wait for that other shoe to drop, mm-hmm. which as a business owner, it means you've always got to start. What's next? How am I going to push? You know, we're steady right now. Great. Time to push. Yeah. We're down right now. Double push. Like it's always a push. And uh, that if you don't have the energy to to weather that, then um, then it would then it would become real very quickly. Like how how that struggle translates over to that success. Yeah. Or perceived success anyway. Like, because when you go back and look at the books, 
I got to go back and look at this selling season, right? Like this, the COVID time has been very like a lot of sales, but we're getting hit a lot too. You know, people cancel, you know, there's the chargebacks every once in a while, like costs are going up here and there. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we were actually like less profitable right now, even mm-hmm. though we have orders and you know, the volume of orders I think has gone up, but my average sale has gone down a little bit. Mm. So here we are making even more orders, but it's not necessarily that we're getting paid that much more too. Yeah. So anyway, like at the end of the day, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think you're right. Like, I think that we get to have that benefit and whatever somebody else would think about it, I guess they would have to try the other, they have to put on the whole pants, not just one leg to know what it's all about. Yeah, and that comes all down to understanding, you know, back to the 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 music uh topic. That's for if you don't understand that there's actually different levels to enjoying music, you should kind of not have that such a rigid opinion on such artists that you're not really <laughs> familiar with. You know, best thing is oh, I I never listen to them, but you know, that's cool that you like that. That's a perfectly great answer to have. And if you talk to a friend who has a business and you don't have a business and you look at their life and they have a nice car, they have a nice house and they have they could buy whatever they want. But they're coming to you as a friend to tell you their struggles. The the most people really want is just somebody to listen to them and not to show them why they shouldn't have those thoughts, you know, because everybody has problems. You know, when when you think about like basketball players yeah their life looks so easy but they're training all the time you guys work hard yeah they're hard uh, workers athletes work very hard yeah so yeah. it's i i think the 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 thing that we really need now is as a society is compassion you know everybody deserves compassion um and whether you have different beliefs or you look at things differently i was just talking to my friend earlier on the phone today he's a very uh very straightforward person and and he is in his ways and i had to tell him like look the reason that you are in your ways the reason that you think about things is because of the unique life that you yourself have lived nobody's ever lived your exact life that you have nobody's gone through the same struggles in the same amount of time or whatever it is that you have so you can't put that on somebody else and make them think about things the same way that you think about them because they might not even be from the same area that you're at and you're always going to have negative experiences with people is if you expect people to think like you do handle situations the way that you do you need to understand that the reason that you're in the position that you are is because of everything in your entire world has come to this day everything that marcus everything you've ever gone through the accidents that you've been through the struggles you know starting in the honda community where you're at to this day is the most unique position and nobody else not even your wife is going to be able to relate with you on that because the the reason that you know the stove is hot is because you touch the stove if they've never touched the stove you can't explain to them the feeling that they're going to get from that hot stove and once you take a step back and you understand hey maybe this customer has never been in the position of selling buying and selling maybe they they don't understand because realistically some people don't have the same education that we do 
whether it's through school or, you know, you reading books or having conversations with people. So you can't make them play by the same rules that you can. You kind of have to think about it the way that they would think about it and kind of point out things that hopefully can get them to understand it without belittling them. And I feel like we do so many, so we belittle each other so much. You know, with- I think it's because I think it's because people don't own their own decisions. Mm-hmm. People don't own their own their own decisions because uh, you know they. It's I think it's really difficult sometimes. It's we're a competitive. People are competitive, you know, even if they're not trying trying to be. Yeah, I think a lot of times they can be, and then the way that that comes out is to try to cut other people down, maybe, or to look at them like they've had some kind of you know, hand to them or something like that that wasn't con- now there's a lot of cases where I'm sure that's absolutely true mm-hmm. but ultimately um, you know everybody that everybody that makes it it comes down to choices that they've made you know and you have to be able to own those even if they're not pleasant ones yeah you know I think you know I don't know everybody's done things they're not proud of I guess you know but you have to be in charge of those choices that you make and understand like what you're saying, like other people have made their own choices, you know? Um, I think it, like your podcast, I mean, people have a, a right maybe to not like it as much. Yeah. Maybe they don't connect with it. That's totally fine. But I think that it still commands a lot of respect. Somebody having done so many and as consistently as you have, I mean, that is really, I think what it, what shows that somebody's putting in real energy is that consistency. Um, and that's something that I struggle with a lot, you know, having that, um, having that regimen, I would love to start a podcast and you know, I really have my eyes on a YouTube series, yeah. right? Like, but I just know, like, I'm not even going to start until I know that I can, see this through yeah i feel like i could get along a great message but i i'm not even going to do it until i can commit and unfortunately way things are i can't and i'm looking at you and it's like it's inspiring to me right now i don't listen to all your shows (laughs) quite listen to some and i've been uninterested and turned them off but then sometimes i you know sometimes listen to more than one more than once so you know uh it's having that respect for other people and saying like, you know, I don't maybe agree or see or understand, but I respect what you're doing and, uh, you know, what you're doing over there even, even yeah. if I'm not paying attention. That's totally fine. And I think having that kind of an attitude is what gives you an ability to go out into the world and really not be an a-hole. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, right? Yeah, definitely. It um, it took me a lot of uh, bad situations that i put myself in to understand that that's probably not the image that i wanted to put off whether it was ways that i handled you know competition in the past or you know (laughs) that's a rough one yeah negative situations and things like that um you know but i'm just i'm just growing and i'm trying to grow at the fastest speed that i can so i'm i'm having to take on you know more conversations more different point of views put myself in more different uh, situations that I probably wouldn't have in the past, uncomfortable situations, because I understand that that's what I need to do 
to get me to that next level. So as far as downstar wise, if somebody were to say something about the the product, uh, you know, in the past, I would really take that offense to that because, hey, this is this is my artwork. This is what I'm putting out. Like, how are you going to disrespect it? You know, but my mentality has changed a lot. And now with this podcast, dude, if you listen to this episode and you think it's shit, please tell me why (laughs) it's shit why you think it's shit, what would make it better, that's what I need. I feel like I'm a chef right now, and if I'm giving you food, the best thing that you can do for me is tell me your honest feelings on that food. Don't tell me what I think that you want me to say or I want you to say. Tell me honestly because that's the only way to really grow something is to be able to to see the things that – um you know, to see things pointed out that maybe you didn't even see. You know, I can't see everything. And I, like I said before, I'm only seeing things through my eyes, the situation that I've been in through, the way that I would deal with things. I'm looking at this podcast with all of that. But I don't know which way you're looking at it. I don't know which way somebody else is looking at it. You know, and when you say that you've listened to some and you've changed them, I don't take offense on that because my favorite podcaster is Joe Rogan and I'll listen to it. I'm like, ah, I'm not into this one. Change it. Yeah. So that's why I'm trying to provide a variety. So it helps out when people say, you know what? I like when you have podcasts with Honda guys. I like when you have podcasts with guys that aren't even into Hondas. I like when you talk about aliens or do them with your cousins or whatever. You know, all of that information helps out. And I'm trying to collect as much data as possible. But just for you to support the podcast whether you listen to every episode or not that helps me out so much because it makes me feel like okay well all of this work i'm putting in now we're starting to see some benefits of it and it's not the sponsorship that you pay it's that you see that your brand aligns with what we're trying to do so you want to be part of of what we're creating and do that that means so much to me yeah yeah. Well, you know, it means a lot to me to have you doing it, too. And I listen to yours the same way that I listen to Joe Rogan's. I only listen to so many of his, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, ones that seem interesting to me, you know, like, oh, I'd like to hear that person talk, you know, or whatever. I uh, listened to the one with Kingpin. And uh, yeah, 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 what a cool, what a neat what a neat guy. I messaged him after that and told him I really enjoyed it. And like, I, that's one of those folks that I would like to align with too, you know, sell yeah. those parts or, you know, to whatever capacity, but it's like, gives me an opportunity to get to know some people that I would not really, you know, have an ability to know in that way. Yeah. Outside, you know, it's a great bro. And the acuity one. Yeah. yeah those yeah. guys are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I enjoy listening to the ones that, uh, you know, seem topical to me. Honda people, friends of mine, or other businesses. The other business ones. Although I did listen to the uh, parables one, yeah. EJ. And then I went and and I looked up a couple of his pods, and I listened to one or two, and I listened to yours on there too. Oh, cool! And, Thank uh, you. Got, yeah, that was a little while ago, right? That you did that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, your origin story I thought was really pretty cool. Selling the parts on uh, NWP, and it really particularly came off to me that. You know, you, you know, you go in the forums, oh, where'd you get that? Oh, I got it over here, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody goes, oh, where'd you get that hardware? I'm like, oh, I can hook you up. 
it's like it's that little twist that made that makes you you know more yeah. entrepreneurial and say like well I've got the source I'll just become your source you yeah. know it makes me think about you know when you're talking a minute ago about um, you know you're trying to grow at a fast pace and you're trying to do these new things but I think that people might look at um, my business or your business and say like oh geez you know how do you get started and you know it really you kind of fall into it you know the funny thing is you start at the ground floor you know yeah that dude bullshitting in forums or in a facebook group or something like that right now i have a hard time competing with that you know you can't because that's that's you know at entry stage where all the people are, are having their you know we'll just call them automotive sewing circles it, you, we can't be a part of that. We're, we're dealing with too many other customers on a daily. You know, I just frankly don't have that much time to sit around and chat, right? Um, you know, I think that's that's right where you find those opportunities, and they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I, I listened to that one, and I thought that that was pretty cool because I'd never heard that story before. Thank you, the, That way. Yeah, it's – um. That story really makes me appreciate people like Rodres. Uh, you know, I recently posted about this, is that he was one of the mods on NWP back then. And if you're not familiar with uh, forums you, and you're a business, you kind of have to pay to sponsor to be able to sell things on the forum. But he definitely let me rock for longer than he should have because he even had other mods that were complaining, saying that we should start paying the sponsorship price. You know, but mm. just him understanding what it takes to build a business and he can see that i was out there hustling he let me brock and that was the foundation that i needed to set for the business to be able to start piling onto it you know and fast forward 10 years he's a good friend of mine and anything that he ever needs i got him pretty much more than so many people in this industry i have I have his back so much because he had yeah. my back when he didn't have any reason to have my back. You know, there's so many people nowadays that will support us because they want to align with the brand and they see what the brand can do or the connects we have or what have you. But Matt, he, he felt that way without anything. He didn't know anything about me. He didn't know what the brand was going to be, what our five-year plan was, if we had a five-year, if this was going <clears> to <throat> turn into a brand. He just took it upon himself to see, like, yo, this guy's hustling. I'm going to help him out as much as yeah. I can. And that that transitioned over to, like, Honda tuning ads, Super Street ads. Like, he was giving me really good deals on ads just because – I was taking the time to want to advertise with his business rather than other big companies not even paying to advertise, but they're eating off of Honda tuning. They're eating off of super street. All these yeah. cars that are sponsored has their name mentioned in the, the build chart or it was part of the story, but are they giving back? You know, so maybe he's seen that, that we were giving to them when bigger companies weren't even helping them out so yeah. it's just it's, it has a lot to do with relationships you know and even now to this day that i'm in the position that i can help people out should i'll have a company on who has you know a thousand followers or whatever just to hear their story and to hear where they're gonna go in the future just so i can say yo i have that first interview when you're <laughs> just a small brand you know just yeah. to give them that help yeah 
Yeah, that's good too. It's good exposure. Also, you're kind of. I like that you think that you're kind of passing and playing it forward in that way. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I definitely. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't have any numbers or anything like that, but you know, supporting your podcast, it, you know, I think it does exactly that. It makes me feel pretty good, and I feel like I'm helping you. And they are. You know, and uh, I don't know. I wish other people would jump in. Yo, support. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? I'll t- I'll take it. I'll take the limelight. That's fine. Definitely. You know, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. When you get right down to it, between Matt and um, and you and uh, guys like Mike and guys like Ryan, I remember that car from. We had a Cerritos meet. Yeah. Like the one that was a hybrid meet. I think there was like ten cars there, and. I remember that Civic then, you yeah. know. Um, it's it's kind of cool having that kind of time in and having these sort of relationships, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, it's kind of chat like this, I guess, you know. Yeah. You... So let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Like, sure. So Ashley works with you now? Uh, yeah. but um, So she'll come in and work whenever we need her to. But we actually hired somebody else uh which is uh, RC from RC's Garage out in uh, Phoenix. Oh. He um, he moved here to California, so he's helping Whoa. us out at the shop. Yeah, so that's kind Dude, of rad. that's kind of only for podcast listeners. We really haven't posted that up, but uh, if you know what that means, and if you could put two and two together, twenty twenty one is going to be a exciting year to say the least. Oh, that is cool, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate well, it. Congrats on that. Yeah, I think I've got to. I think I've got to get somebody industry deep yeah too you know i think it's getting to that point where i need i do so little in terms of like marketing you know uh like we've got social channels but i got you know not really too many ads um you know it's all very very direct to market you know and uh we have a lot of store development to do Mm -hmm. and it's just gotten to a point where it's like well you know it's hard to do it all on my own and i'm still watching orders very closely you know i think Probably it'd be better for somebody to watch over my orders, but I do it in a very specific way, you know, and I think it's hard to translate that over, you know, you know, if somebody orders one lug nut, you want to make sure that they know they're getting one, not one set. Yeah. Somebody orders, you know, a coilover kit, somebody just ordered a Tane Street Basis coilover kit and an upper mount set that we sell as a combo. And I'm like, well, for what they paid, they could get this other Tane kit, like a Flex Z that's higher up, comes all included, and it's cheaper. Mm. So I hit up the guy, and I'm like, you know, a lot of stores are just fill the order, you know? Yeah. And I would, you know, would get what he ordered, and that would be it. Um, but this one, I was like, well, I think I could save this guy money, plus I have the other kit in stock, plus he'll be getting a better kit, right? Yeah. So I hit him up, he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't even really realize I ordered the wrong thing, like... I was going to order this, but since you're telling me that, go for it. And it was like a triple win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who else is going to do that? <laughs> like, Only the ones I, that last since 2002, bro. <laughs> There's a reason yeah, why you're still in business. Guy, I had a guy that that was doing that, but he left. I had a, I had one guy here for 10 years, and uh, he moved on. But yeah. yeah, I didn't really talk about David before, too. He was a really big key part of us coming through, but... Yeah, having another day would be, would be great. Yeah. yeah, I feel you, man. We're uh, we're about to lose one of our guys. He's uh, he's going to college in San Diego, 
Uh, my guy mm. Alex, dude, he's he's a godsend, man. And he came just at the right time and helped us through a lot of stuff, you know. So it's hard to lose people like that. But yeah. then you have to understand that they have dreams and desires that don't necessarily align with what you're trying to build, you know. So it's, I mean, the, the most that you could ask for is just to have those conversations off the bat where you already know, look, in six months or in a year from now, I'm going to be headed out. So let's hammer down and uh, let's plan on this. And uh, it, it's hard to find people like that. That's what we did too. David um, ended up getting into a, an um, airplane mechanic program, mm-hmm. right? And he, um, you know, the classes are kind of demanding. His schedule had to shift around. He'd been full-time with me for a really long time. And then finally uh, had to switch to part-time and, so I had kind of an irregular schedule, and um, I had to pick up, uh, you know, a bunch of extra work that he wasn't able to do. But, um, you know, I really, I really wanted him to have the security of an employment, you know, that he could do from home remotely, that it could be flexible. I mean, he gave me so much of his time. Yeah. You know, I think it was only the best thing to work with him through that, and then he. We didn't know when he was going to leave, you know, but of course he's an awesome guy. So we got a job right away. And it's like, that was like, that was last, last year, not this January, but last January. Yeah. And now I'm like trying to keep in touch with him. And it's, it's tough because he's busy. He just had a baby and, you know, I'm busy. So we try to line up every once in a while, but yeah, you got as a, as somebody who saw him grow so much, like your employee, you look at them and you think, well, geez, you know what? Hopefully I gave him some tools. Yeah, definitely. You know, to move on. And like, boy, it was really a pleasure of mine to have that person with me. Yeah. You know, it's a loss, but, you know, I just, I couldn't really be upset about it. I could only really be happy for him, you know? Yeah. No, I feel the same way, man. And, you know, it's it's extremely easy for me to cut somebody out and end a relationship negatively rather than positively, because then it's more of like, a, you know, not wanting you to go more sad and more emotional. But uh, it, it's like you said, man, this and just like we talked about with the cars, how they have their own life. People have their own life. And you yeah. want to hope that while you guys were together on this path, that you had an awesome time. And I think that that's what I'm going to try to do shit for the rest of my life. Every interaction I have with somebody is going to be a positive interaction because I I just want to be the change that I want to see, you know? And if I want to bitch about things being negative all the time, um, that's not really doing anything, but hopefully I do leave positive impacts on people's lives that, that will go on further than just that interaction. I think it's easy to do that when it's your customers, though, because you only have limited interactions with them. Yeah. You know, and if you're getting yelled at a few times, then it's pretty easy to let that go. But, you know, for me, it becomes challenging because I always, you know, I'm kind of a fiery guy anyway. You know, I get lit up a little bit and I get boisterous and it's the Italian guy in me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I get pretty um I get pretty emotional about Definitely. things when they don't go right, you know, and uh, it's hard for me not to, you know, bring that into into home, yeah. you know, like, and what I mean by that is affect me emotionally when I should be stepping away from it, yeah. Um, it, especially when I'm working at home. And now I'm working with my wife and we're working together and we're trying to, you know, 
I think we're trying to make this light of it as we can. But um, it's been a challenge for me, for sure, to have to work with the pressure of wanting to do more and not being able to do everything that I want to do and then having pushback from the world, you know. And that's not just COVID. That's the whole time, you know. Yeah. I, I, I like to have that attitude, and I know that I exercise that, especially with you, as much as I can because I really, I really agree with that. I've tried to do it a lot. I mean, we've had a few... Um, come across as over time, and it's always been very, very pleasant. Um, Thank you. You know, and I try to be on always good behavior when I'm at the shows and things anyway, or when I'm at events. Yeah. I feel sometimes really just lucky to be there. But, man, I, I get pretty um, I get pretty low sometimes, you know? It's yeah. rough. I, um, I'm really working on trying to twist that around. And you know what kind of helps? You know, I was really twisted up the one day. And I had to go and get us some dinner. And I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to take that NSX. I'm going to go get some dinner. And I came back, I felt much better. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely, man. And, yeah. uh, you know, I could totally relate to you on that, dude. Like, sometimes, some days, I just don't feel good, man. I, I, I don't feel happy. You know, it, it's very it's very much a task to make myself get out of that funk that I'm in. And I... Say it again. How do you do that? Um, communicate with my wife and just tell her, you know, today's not a good day. Um, try to go through it. CBD helps a lot. But mm. like whatever anybody could ever say about me online or in public that knows me, like just know that I've probably said even worse to myself. You know, I'm I'm my worst yeah. enemy. And it sometimes it gets to me it, it's very hard dude like my mind is so powerful that i can envision things i can envision builds and and businesses and i can complete tasks that other people didn't wouldn't think that they could complete but when you have such a powerful brain that doesn't that doesn't just stop when the spectrum goes towards negative it just starts ramping up whether you're positive or negative, you're ramping both ways. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. You know, because that energy that I get that makes me excited about new business opportunities and new ideas, well, that's like the same energy that feeds when I'm failing. Same thing. It makes it feel negative. Yeah. I never really thought of it being the same thing, but just opposite, working in the opposite direction. Yeah, and happiness and sadness are the same exact thing. It's just the one point is on one end and one point is on the other, but it's still a, a feeling, you know, and it's got to the point where even uh, when RC started working, I had to have a sit down with him and I was like, look, man, if you ever see me come in and I'm just like not there, just know that that has nothing to do with you because like, I don't even know why it's happening. You know, and I don't know why I feel like this, but just some days when I wake up, it's just like that, that anxiety just hits me. Like right when yeah. my eyes wake up, like, oh shit, time to get this shit going, you know? And then yeah. some days are amazing. I'll wake up, you know, listen to some music, go get a coffee, come to work, having a great time. Some days it's not, and I can't control yeah. it. And I'm not going to go to to the doctors and get prescribed something because I just know that this is the motion of things. Sometimes things aren't going to be good. And sometimes things are going to be awesome. But 
trying to control that, I think that's a problem. You know, I think that you just need to go through these feelings. You just yeah. need to be sad sometimes. You know, sometimes, like, I was listening to uh, my wife. She told me the other day that she was listening to a Tupac song and she got emotional, you know. So I'm driving to L.A. and I'm listening to Tupac and I, like, feel it coming over me. And not just thinking like, why am I feeling like this? What is going on? What is it that's triggering me? Is it her telling me? I just, you know, just go with the fucking emotions, dude. Just go with it. Feel it. You know, if you need to cry, cry over it. Like that whole thing about like men can't cry or it doesn't make you a man. Like that's the 60s, dude. That shit doesn't exist no more. Like that needs to stop with our parents. And we need to stop bringing that over into the newer generation. I've had these talks with my son. This is your safe zone, bro. If you don't feel good, you talk to us. Tell us how you feel. Feel it. Cry or whatever it is. Because that whole stigma of a man isn't supposed to feel this way. That's bullshit, bro. That's Mm. bullshit. And it's such a sign of weakness and insecurity when you have that bravado of a tough guy. Like, I don't get sad. I don't want this. I don't have feelings. Fuck bitches. I don't care about women. This or whatever. Like... Bro, you're just putting off a front because everybody feels. Everybody yeah. feels. And yeah. it's just it's rough sometimes, man. And it's just I have to I have to just be able to understand that okay, today I'm in this feeling. Right now I'm in this feeling. Understand it, embrace it, try to understand that life isn't as hard as I'm making it seem. This problem isn't as big, but just like bringing up fucking anodizing not having the washers done from anodizing when they were supposed to be done, that shit could change my mood because that's a domino effect. And it's just, it's hard, man. Life is hard. That's one of the things I've gotten better at though, is when stuff like that happens, I just don't get as upset about certain things, you know? Yeah. Like uh, charge back or whatever, you know, like that's part of business now. It's unfortunate. Some people are going to rob you. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Or like, you know, my printer is going to take a shit because I'm trying to print out labels and the label got stuck inside and jacked up the whole thing. Yeah. You know, like, well, you know, I've, I've finally gotten to a point where it's like, okay, well, getting really upset about that kind of thing isn't really going to help anybody. Yeah. You know, and that, that letting go has helped kind of, I think, calm down some of that, the back and forth. Although, you know, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes that I'll calm down too much and that I won't want to, you know, like that, that I won't push through hard enough. Like, it's hard for me to know, am I doing the best I can do or am I doing, if I did more, if I pushed more, like, would that become unhealthy right away or do I actually have that much more overhead to give, yeah. you know? Like, I can't do two in the morning shit online anymore. Like, I can't plow through that you know i just can't do that you know i used to be able to do that when i was younger and now i can't it's like well if i could do that all the time now if i was a machine and i could do that shit all the time i would get a lot more done but at what cost you know so like how much farther should i be pushing myself to achieve goals when i feel like i'm already really doing as much as i can like without sacrificing family life or my own mental stability yeah, or whatever it is, you know, 
that's the only thing that concerns me about kind of coming more to the centers. Like I don't, I don't want to lose the positive side to cope with the negative side better. You don't know how much you can fit on your plate till shit starts spilling off of it, man. And that's yes. my uh, that's my challenge all the time. And uh, you know, from the outside looking in, even from my wife's point of view, she always tells me you just put too much shit on your plate. But then I start looking at my life, evaluating everything. I'm like, people could say Neither whatever they want. The people could say <laughs> I'm hustling as much as they want. I know what I'm doing. I know how much effort I'm putting into it. And I know I could put more effort into it. I could be here yeah. at the shop at six in the morning. I could leave the shop at eight at eight at night, you know, but what else is going to be affected by that? It's, it's not just, I'm not a, I'm not a machine. So, yeah. you know, if I take away that time away from sleeping and then I take away that time away from my family, time is all we have in this world. So, What's going to happen if I'm not giving my family this much time? What's going to happen if I'm not having this much sleep? You know, oh, sleep is because you're a pussy. You need to sleep. No, dude. Like you, no, you have to, sleep, to. <laughs> you have to sleep or else you're not going to feel like yourself. And people who don't understand uh, what anxiety is, is like it could be triggered by a fucking coffee, dude. You know, I oh, stopped yeah. drinking coffee for like a few months dude and i barely started getting back on it because i'm just trying to yeah. dial everything in i'm trying to dial yeah. my life in perfectly where i don't have these these feelings anymore i don't have these bad days anymore and something like a cup of coffee could make my plate overflow you know so it's it's hard man how's your uh, vitamin d have you had a blood test i haven't but it's probably not good Dude, you know what? I was in the shit. And once I turned 40, uh -huh. I uh, started getting an annual physical, which I never did because men are super invincible. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I feel fine. I'm fine. Yeah. But you know what, though? I, I was having trouble. And I uh, I had some blood work done. And vitamin D was really low, mm -hmm. you know, which it is for a lot of people in the Northwest because the sun's not out that much. And, you know, it is a lot for me, too, because I don't go outside that much anyway. But, um, but yeah, like, that's a huge one. It's vitamin really a, D. yeah, vitamin D and then vitamin B, B12. I take B12 and vitamin D every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just feel better. Like, and I, and I can, I, you know, it's not like if I don't take it, I will have a bad day. Like yeah. if I travel or whatever, I'm, I don't bring that shit with me. But, um, you know, if I, if I miss it, and I have a rough day, I go, you know what? I don't think I had, I don't think I had my vitamin this morning, you know, and I don't know if it's a placebo or not, but the thing is, um, a lot of people are vitamin D deficient nowadays. And it's actually, actually Joe Rogan talks about yeah, it yeah, yeah. a lot. He had that, mm -hmm. um, scientist on about COVID and I'd already been taking it before that. And I, I would, I'd say people really need to take a look at that. Yeah, I'm definitely, especially people with darker skin who end up getting really deficient. Um, the darker the skin? Sun. Really? Yeah. So we get vitamin D from the sun. Uh-huh. A chemical reaction when the sun hits our skin, it creates vitamin D in our system. Okay. And it's an essential vitamin. We need it. And uh, as far as on one of that Rogan podcasts, it ends up becoming 
it's like a hormone. It acts like a hormone in your body. So it keeps you chemically stable, right? Yeah. People with darker skin, um, they have darker skin because they li- they you know come from areas of the world where there's more sun all yeah. the time. You know, equatorial places, you know, uh, Mexico, Africa, stuff like that, where you know there's more sun yeah. and they don't need to absorb as much. So they're you know, their skin is darker to kind of reflect a little bit more. So they get the right levels. And then, you know, you're like northern people, Irish people, Russian people, whatever, have lighter skin because they're exposed to sun less Yeah. in those latitudes. So our skin's lighter to absorb more because we need it more. Well, now we're all inside all the time. Mm. And... You know, we can go outside and if I've got lighter skin, I'm going to get a little more vitamin D than, you know, the black guy next to me. And but we're doing all the same shit inside all the time. So they end up becoming really deficient because they're they're not absorbing as much when they go out. So, yeah, people of color should also have vitamin D looked at. That's what I've heard. Got you, dude. I'm I'm definitely going to look into that, man. Yeah, Um, I, I, I think one of the benefits of all of this stuff is just being able to um, self-evaluate and self-reflect. And since I've been doing that, it it kind of explains a lot of the, the things that I do go through. You know, the certain feelings that I have, I understand why I feel like that, you know, whether it has to do with like, like the, the childhood growing up, you know, not having many friends and things like that. You know, I still sometimes I'll still get remnants of that in this life to this day. When when you have so many friends and acquaintances and interactions, and then when you kind of see through it and and realize that maybe they don't feel about you how you thought that they felt, they're around <laughs> for you know different reasons or whatever. You know, all of these stories just start piling up in my head. And then that just consumes everything that's going on to that day. And that goes back to the insecure me as a sixth grader or whatever, you know? So it's so crazy to just understand like why these, these feelings happen. And then you start to think like, you know what? I'm not that same person that I was in the past. And I'm having this internal battle all along while answering DMS and answering emails and calls and putting on orders and then being around my staff where they're probably like, dude, what the fuck is this guy's problem? Like, why is he mad? What, what, what's his problem? What did we do wrong or whatever, you know? So that's why I like to have those conversations. Like, look, sometimes if it doesn't seem like I'm into it, I'm probably not into it, you know? So just do whatever you got to do. Let me do my thing. And then once I get past this internal battle, like fucking business as usual, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard thing to even admit or even talk about because uh, if you've never been through that, if you've never felt that, you know, my wife, she she's never felt any of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of hard for her to even understand where I'm coming from. But it's just um, it's one of those things that I've just never even talked about in the past because it just the stigmas that come with being a man, you know, to me, (laughs) being a man is taking care of your responsibilities and taking care of you know like taking accountability and you know that's as far as being a man goes for me i don't want to be a man 
I want to be I want to be a human, and if I want to go skate with my son, if I want to draw, if I want to fucking play Legos or whatever I want to do, that has nothing to do with me being a man because my uh, my obligations of being a man, taking care of my family, you know, taking care of the uh, the things that I promised to take care of, such as business, yeah. those are being taken care of. So with my free time, if I want to do other things that are gonna, you know be make me feel happy if i want to go on a bicycle ride or whatever it is that i want to do like that that's helping me out get through the day i may think you know a man is fulfilling obligations anyway around it right whether it's a business obligation or i feel like there's a family obligation too definitely you know being a father and being a husband and all of that you know you've got to be supportive you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I've never had a problem. I, I don't think I've really had a problem with any of the things that I'm feeling like I felt like I should feel a different way. Mm-hmm. But so there's definitely opportunities to handle things differently. Yeah. Like, I guess as far as my wife tells me, I have a tendency to kind of moan about these negative things. Like they kind of can drag on, yeah. you know, you can't report back every negative incident that happened in a day, right? Then, then you're dwelling on it, and that's not really, you don't want to say if it's manly or not, but it's definitely not taking responsibility and just dealing with shit. Yeah. You know, and I feel like we need to just deal with stuff, you know? Um, you know, plopping down on the weekend and being worthless in front of the TV is like a prime example. I know a lot of guys will just, they look at that like their time, they're going to watch their show, they're going to go do their thing, but then meanwhile, you don't pay attention to what's going on at your house and yeah. your kids need you, you know, or or whatever. You know, it doesn't take a lot. You know, I think what really comes around to it is it doesn't it doesn't take a lot at all. You know, sitting down and playing with Legos with your kid, you know, with my eight year old is, you know, maybe a 10 minute thing. Mm-hmm. And it makes his whole day. Yeah. You know, I mean, their attention span is only so long, too, you know. So rather than look at it taking time away from what I want to do or uh, or feeling like it's a waste of my time, yeah, you know, it's actually an investment. Yes. You, know? yes. you want the people around you to respect you, you know, and that your kids more than anybody. Yeah. And if you don't ever give them back some of your time, you know, then they're not going to necessarily, you know, when you want to jump in and give them the advice or whatever, like, they're going to remember all that. Like, well, you weren't there for me before. Now all of a sudden you want to tell me what to do. Yeah. I feel like I've heard that, yeah. you know, from somebody, not literally maybe in a movie or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, I think that um, we have to be real with who we are as human beings, you know, and as men, I think we do need to be stable. I think we bring something to relationships that women don't bring mm-hmm. a lot of times and they bring stuff to relationships that we just can't, you know, we're not wired to do either, yeah. you know, just different people. So I don't know, I guess if, uh, well, geez, I've been with my wife for 22 years or something like that. I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah. And, you know, we've both changed a lot in that time, but always with respect to the other person. So, yeah. And we're always changing now too. Definitely. I, man. I want my wife to work with me too. <laughs> On a full-time basis, that would be great. But 
there's struggles with that. You know, she's such a strong person. You know, she's, you know, she's got goals and aspirations of her own that aren't necessarily to do with heel toe. Yeah. It's rough, but you know, you have to support the other person. Like one thing I've not ever had to feel like is like I needed the help and she wasn't there. She's always giving me everything she could. Yeah, no, I feel you. But then you on the other side of things, you can't expect them to have the same passion about something that they just don't even care about just because you would like it. You know, in an ideal world, it would be awesome if, you know, both of our wives were just super into cars and they they understood it and wanted to be part of the business. But I don't really take much offense to it other than the point where like, yo, this is what we do to put food on the table. So if I need your help on this like come through and she always will you know but yeah. i don't really expect her to to be able to start coming out with new products or thinking about things or going to shows really owning, and stuff like that or really owning like own, owning the nuts and bolts of it you know yeah. <laughs> in your case literally yeah. right <laughs> uh you know but i i watch what she does and she does uh human resources she's a human resources manager mm-hmm. and i watch the way that she does things and through this whole COVID thing and we've both been put through the ringer like you and Blake. We already know how we have. But as an HR manager in a hospitality industry, like, man, she's been on call, on duty, you know, yeah, heavy duty the whole time, um, you know. And she's extremely good at what she does, you know. So I'm glad, I'm glad to have her, actually, too. And, like, some of those skills she brings in advising me sometimes on how to handle things oh yeah i I deal with that a lot oh yeah yeah she helps she helps center me too or put things in perspective like if i have a really difficult thing i'll just tell her like how should i you know like (laughs) what do i do with this you just need to approach it this way i'm like all right cool you know yeah same man yeah because uh if you catch me on one of those days where i'm not having a good day (laughs) And uh, I'm not running things past Ashley of how do I should respond to things. I might not respond in the best way, man. And I'm Sometimes trying my hardest. And like, you know what? I'm just going to not answer you right now. I'm just going to go and do something else. I'll come back to this later because yeah. I'm not cool enough to answer this question right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's the self-evaluating part. Look, you got to know when you're not in the right position to be having this combative uh, conversation. So you <laughs> kind of fall back for a little while until you deal with whatever you got going on, you know? Yeah, anyhow. Hell yeah, bro. Marcus, dude, I, I love talking to you, man. Uh, I'm glad we were able to do this second podcast because uh, this definitely highlights a lot more of your personality and more so your um, your passion um, with the business itself. And it definitely shows why you has been around as long as you had since 2002 because um you know business is hard man and the reason a lot of people stop being in business or their businesses go to shit is because it is hard you know and you're dealing with this uh these struggles and you're still trying to put forward the best product that you can which is the brand you know you're trying to put the best for- foot forward you know, you're focusing on the website, the tech scene, and it's not easy, but you're trying to do it, and, and that's commendable, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm a tuner. 
like I'm tuning a car, but instead of all the little pieces of a car, I'm tuning this business. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's why it does last, but you know, we'll get some big gains pretty soon here. We'll get that new website up. Yeah. You're I love one of the it, first to know for sure. Definitely. When we do let me know. Um, and then I really wanted to thank you for sponsoring the podcast as long as you have, man. It really means a lot to me. Um, for people that don't know, Marcus and I, we've known each other for years, but we really haven't spent that much time speaking to each other. So for you to be able to take the risk with us means a lot to me, man. And I really appreciate that. It's my pleasure. Hell yeah, man. So before we get out of here, let me uh, let you take it away, man. Where can people find you at and what can they find? What can they expect when they uh, shop with Heeltoe? <laughs> Yeah, well, Heeltoe Automotive is here to serve your Honda and Acura needs. Of course, we've been around for a long time, and we know a lot about most of the chassis. So definitely, if you've got an old Civic or a new Acura or an RSX S2000, something in between, uh, we'll be in your corner to help provide those parts and uh, really even just some advice if you need it. Uh, hit us up at HeeltoeAuto.com, Instagram, Heeltoe Auto or Heeltoe Automotive, and um that's it. Thanks a lot for uh, for having me on again, Frank. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for everything you do, bro. Uh, not only for me, but just for the community. The community definitely needs more uh, honest people and hard workers like yourself, man. So um, I, I love to be aligned with the brand. Cool, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you so much for your time, man. And thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you check out Hilltoe, Hilltoe Automotive on Instagram or heeltoeauto.com. If you listen to the commercial, you know how to get hooked up by Heeltoe. And um, please, please make sure you guys go help them out. They're pretty much one of the only ones that are helping this podcast go on besides myself. So make sure you guys go show them some love. This is Downtime with Downstar, episode 191, and we out. Peace. <laughs>